Welcome back, horror fans. It's Wednesday, 7 p.m. Central Time, and that means it's time for another episode of the Weekend Horror Podcast, the only podcast that wants you to put on the damn glasses. <laughs> Thank you for joining our live show, and for all of our podcast listeners, be sure to check us out so you, too, can interact directly with the show. This week, we're covering select films released in horror history July 4th through July 10th. Thank you all so much for joining us. I'm Johnny O, and with me tonight are JL and Eugene. Good evening, everyone. What's Good up, evening. everybody? <laughs> I'm so glad I chose that for the for the opening intro line. That was perfect. Put on the damn glasses. I love that movie. <laughs> I thought that followed by a five minute fight scene. Yes. <laughs> is yes. it still is it still the longest uh, fight scene in cinema history? I think it is the longest. I think fight it scene. is. Yeah, yeah, because it's like six minutes. Like it's just it's ridiculous, ridiculously long. Yeah. They beat, they, they beat the literal shit out of one another. It was great. So that that laugh, whenever whenever uh, John Nada, uh, what would he, uh, what is it? Uh, oh man, David uh, David Clark broke something, and John Nada laughed at him. That was not scripted, but you know because it was at the end of this five minute scripted fight. They said, mm-hmm. "Fuck it, let's just keep it." Nice. <laughs> That's sweet. <laughs> All right. Well, welcome to another episode of Week in Horror. Man, we see what we've got in the live chat before we dive into things we're going to be talking about tonight. Um, Ivy Gentry, first in the chat, says, I've been on Twitter about Loki all day. Well, since like 4 a.m. There's been a, a, been a bit of a hubbub about uh, Loki. Yeah, we had a we had a spirited debate. It wasn't mean or anything, so about the whole Loki... Is the MCU pandering? Are they not pandering to the LGBTQIA plus? How many letters are they going to fit in there? Can we just say the gay community? Is that, is the, that okay? The, or? Say the, the, uh, yeah, the uh, gay yeah. community. Okay. They, they, I mean, but the people who are – so apparently there's a lot of people who are raising, who are raising hell about um, basically Loki being fluid or whatever. But have they mm-hmm. read you know, Slightmere? Do they understand well, so I, I, what's I, going I, on? No, no, I, I hear what you're saying. Right, I hear what you're saying. I think the problem is that the the problem that at least Rob, the one that he gave me, was the fact that uh, Marvel waited so long to introduce that, that it seems like maybe they're just making a play to pander to the uh, to the gay community. Um, and, you know, there's, you know, Nerd Angle made a couple of good points of, well, you know, he hasn't had the spotlight this that and the other they're just a bunch of bunch of back and forth like they could have set it up but they didn't set it up um they could have at least alluded to it but they never kind they never really did and i'm not so sure that even loki is quote gender fluid he's just a being who can change into whatever he wants you know uh, zeus was the same thing right he could change into whatever he wanted but he never really considered him gender fluid yeah, see, I think I think one of the big things is the fact that first of all they waited so long, and then it just kind of came out of nowhere. Like, there's nothing wrong with establishing characters that right. are gay or bi or fluid. Like a great example is Captain Raymond Holt from Brooklyn Nine Nine, who he's a fantastic character yeah. who has a lot of depth, who just happens to be gay on top of it, and it's not he's not gay for the sake of being gay. Gay is part of the defining characteristics of his career and the way he runs his precinct on it and i think it's a great representation of a gay mm. character whereas this is like a well you this character has been in the mcu for 10 years already so uh by the way surprise yeah i think that's what the the people who are up in arms about it that's what their contention is is that there was never that even though it is in the source material it's in 
the source material of the source material. Yeah. That they're, you know, it, it seems like, well, it just seems like a move because we never mentioned it before. Uh, uh, we never said anything yeah, before about it. Oh, yeah. We just, I think it was, it, it's accepted to people who understand or who know Norse mythology, who know the character of Loki, who've read all the comics, understand that it's there. And if it's not the focus of the story, especially in a movie, when you're trying to tell a particular story and keep everything, you know, um, a part of the same canon, there's really no point in bringing it up. And they're just pissed off about no. the timing, is all it is. I don't think the timing is suspect. I think this is the first opportunity we've had to tell a Loki centric story where Loki is the main focus of it. We can dive into all things Loki. That's the whole point. And I no, think that's what I, it is. I, yeah, I, I definitely hear that. I think they could have they could have done something to establish that, you know, because everybody talks about uh, like uh, Francis Hawkeye. Right, already set up the fact that Hawkeye is going to pass his bow down to his daughter. They set that up in a really quick scene, mm-hmm. really mm-hmm. quick scene. They could have done that. They 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 uh, set up the fact that uh, Falcon was going to be the next Captain America early on in the Captain America Falcon kind of thing. They set that up. There was that was put into place. There were things they could have done, you know, to introduce that that fluidity thing, like having Loki. There's so many times that Loki changed into some into someone. But it was always, you know, uh, a man, or it was always a male character. He could, they could have had him once or twice change into a female character, and they could say, "Look, we know we set this up. Look, here it is." You know what I mean? I understand why people are are calling it into question. I'm not necessarily saying they're right, but I get it. I understand why they are. Well, because you you also have that one scene in Endgame, and like in terms of like female empowerment. I always believe that men and women should be equal and all this other kind of stuff. But sure. you have that scene in Endgame where it was like, oh, well, she's not alone. And you have all the women gather together. And I understand what Marvel was trying to do, but it felt so forced yeah, at the yeah. moment because you even had the Wasp, who's supposed to be in the van helping the ant, who comes out of the van just for this one moment. Whereas if you had, say, for example, like the boys, where they're all beating up uh, – Stormfront or in the Mandalorian where it's just, Hey, they're whooping a bad guy's ass and they just happen to be women. And like, I think that's perfectly right. okay. Like interesting that you brought it in. You brought up the scene from, uh, cause definitely the, the scene in the MC on the MCU and Endgame did, did have the real, like, and then the big pan, the big pan out to the wide, all oh, the girls. Yeah. Yeah. That seems a little, yeah. And it's kind of like a little oh, forest. Whereas really? in the boys, that was extremely natural. It just by virtue of the story, the guys were there first and got their asses whipped, and then it just happened to fall on the girls, and the girls happened to whoop her ass up something, you know, happened to like mix her up something fierce, which was fun. <laughs> that was a great, that, that was a fantastic scene. Didn't feel forced, felt completely natural, and it was nice to see a Nazi get get her ass whooped. So oh, I, I, really absolutely, cool. <laughs> yeah. All and right. then you know, with the last thing I'm going to say about this gender, this uh, Loki business, with the reveal, with it being on his police rap sheet. I don't know if you guys, I don't know about you guys, but I've seen a fair bit of police rap sheets. I haven't seen one that has said fluid. Police are going to put what they what they see. Uh, yeah. I see a man, so he's going to be a man. And if it were, well, he's, he's, he's a shapeshifter, they would have put, hey, watch out, because he changed his fucking form. Yeah. They wouldn't have said gender fluid. They wouldn't have said that. It was just, he was forced. <laughs> but whatever. But I'm going yeah, right. to piss off some people, and I want to. <laughs> we also have Gavlar, the head of Zod. Awesome freaking guy. I still love his name. Says, hi. Man Devil's in the chat. Good to see you, Man Devil. Uh, let's see. Man Devil asks, why not Reanimator? Has it been covered? Or we have not covered the first Reanimator yet. We will eventually get there. The Stuart Gordon, Jeffrey Combs masterpiece. Uh, we will get there eventually. Um, I think it just says, for the first time, I'm worried about falling asleep during weekend horror. Ah, don't worry about falling asleep. If you get tired, go for it. 
But uh, I, I bet I'm, I'm willing to bet we're entertaining enough to keep you awake. We're gonna and try. Apparently, and apparently, Ivy watched the 2020 Dracula, the 2020 Dracula, and started the haunting of Bly Manor. Excellent. I don't know about 2020. Dra- oh, oh no, the, the 2020 Dracula was the BBC produced one. That was like a love letter to hor- to Hammer Horror. You're gonna love that. And Haunting of Bly Manor was also fantastic. Um, P- uh, PG Tony is not on the show tonight. Well, or unless they're, they're uh, Gavlar's asking Ivy, but it does probably has nothing to do with us. Uh, Charlie Welch, the only man you don't make a bet with, is in the house. Says, "Entertain me. We will try. Mm-hmm. We will probably fail. Are you but not we're going to try. <laughs> we're Are gonna you try. not entertained?" <laughs> <laughs> um, see, Charlie Welch says, "Finish Black Summer season two. That is the single darkest shit I've ever seen." Um, uh, I don't know if you guys are familiar with Black Summer. Black Summer is a series released on Netflix. It is a prequel series to their zombie series. Um, Z Nation. Mm. So right. they they had they had the uh, sci fi's had a show on there. I think it went like five or six seasons. I have to double check because um, I I don't have sci fi here. So but uh, but uh, Z Nation was pretty good, and I know it was a it was kind of like a black comedy horror like this. But anyway, Black Summer released and was considerably darker than its predecessor. Very very dark shit, and it's basically a prequel to how the world ended up like Z Nation. So and uh, I've heard season two is absolutely fantastic. I'm going to watch it on Netflix. Um, let me see. Chris Durham, Music Channel is in the house. Good to see you. Whose guest for the trivial question is Sorel Book? Done again. Not I don't even know does. how he does. Not even going to ask. I have no idea. <laughs> All right, Sir Chasm. Sir Chasm's in the house. Oh, it friggin' jumped on me. Damn. Hang on a sec. Why does it do that? I thought it only did that in uh on YouTube, but it did it in Streamlabs too. Oh, Streamlabs is really bad. Our streamer is really bad about it. God dang. All right. Here we go. I began to, okay, there we go. So, Sir Chasm's in the house. Hey, guys, says, still at work, engaging lurk mode. All right. And Tani A, one of our amazing, another one of our amazing patrons is in the house. So, it's, uh, well, should we make that announcement in a sec? Uh, Tani A is also going to be lurking for a bit. That's okay. Sarah Velez, first, uh, first time I think I've ever seen Sarah in the chat. Thank you for joining us. It's time to, Thank grab, you. My, time to grab my scaredy pillow. Yes. No doubt. <laughs> oh, the logical hillbillies in the house is hey, what's up, everyone? Good to see you, logical hillbilly. And let's see. Uh, see what is this? Uh man, this is I think they prefer the queer community now, at least those who care about the naming, gay and first attracted only to the opposite sex, I believe. So I guess fair. The, they're fair. fair. That sounds fair. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Or say our same sex community. Or I'm not sure. I is it the, the queer community? Okay. Yeah. Can we, how about see. the how about the rainbow flag community? Is that offensive? Uh, might, might be, might be a little offensive. Might, might be, <laughs> yeah, but it might, might be. But they have a flag. Uh, they do you have a flag. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Malord is in the house. Good to see you, Mr. Malord. Says Phantasm Two, not a bait and switch again. No, it's no nope. bait. I don't think it was a bait and switch because last week we put relic and not the relic. I'm just saying. Yeah, because <laughs> the makes all the difference. Yeah, all the. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah. Those articles, man. Uh, I signed up for Stephen Dorff and Tyler Tara Reed. That's what I signed up for. <laughs> the fuck's this 2019? Oh, oh, holy shit! All right, uh, Sarah Vella says she needs her pillow because she loves being terrified. This, oh, my scaredy pillow is. Oh, Sarah Vella says my scaredy pillow is jail. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Tina Jones in the house. Oh, there's Tina Jones. Is peekaboo. 
Good to see you, Tina Jones. And Bob Nodell's gyroscope is in the house. Good morning. Good to see you, sir. And who else? NANA says, NANA is in the house. Another one of our amazing patrons says, Z Nation sucked. Damn. Everybody's a critic. Yep. <laughs> Z Nation, I think, uh, I'm, I don't know if Z Nation was made by the Asylum, but the Asylum does like, I think, almost all their work with, with pretty much predominantly with the sci fi channel. Um, Z Nation said it was very, very boring. Oh, no, he said, uh, NANA says it was very boring. But then again, NANA, to be fair, you have a very fair. you have a very particular taste in films. Mm, I'll say that yeah. very very select. Um, but uh, Charlie you're Walsh the guy said, that only wants the jar of orange M and M's, or you won't play. <laughs> pretty much, or you won't go on. Or you will not play. Charlie Welch says Black Summer has suicide warnings and shit. Damn, dark stuff. Yeah. All right. Who else we got? Well, I think that's who we've got in the chat right now. Uh, Tony Ace is going on day five with a migraine. Oh, not feeling man. good. That's why I'm not doing oh. much, but of course, I had to come. Love you guys. We love you oh, too, Tony. I hope you are feeling man, better you. soon. Thank you very much yeah. for coming out. Yeah. All right, then. I used to get cluster. Oh, I got cluster headaches one year. I got them so bad. Uh, oh, I got them so sucks. bad that I had a stroke. Ugh. So they fucking had to take me. I got, you know, I had to get CAT scanned and all that shit to make sure I wasn't fucking dying. It was bad. It was, it was, it was, it was crippled. It was debilitating. I lost 60 pounds in a month because I could not eat. And oh. anytime I thought about eating, I just kept throwing up and like the left side of my face went numb. It was bad. It got bad. Yeah, that sounds that it would sound like you know, I can't feel half my body. Yeah, it sounds like you're having a stroke. Damn. Yeah, so my wife called me or she called the emergency room. What should I do? Should I take him to the hospital? <laughs> <laughs> See, Bob Nadell's driver's group says, Weekend Horror, what was the zombie movie that Brad Pitt was in? Uh, um, that would be World War Z. World War Z, yeah. Mm-hmm. There is a sequel coming. There is a sequel coming. There is, yeah. You don't know. We don't need a sequel. We don't need a sequel. <laughs> I I did that was my I was just simply stating a sequel is coming. I know, I know. I know. It was an objective descriptor of reality. A yeah. sequel is exactly. on the way. Uh, <laughs> mine was also a d- objective descriptor of reality. You don't <laughs> fucking need a sequel. <laughs> well, we got a few things we wanted uh, to touch on that uh, recently happened this uh, past week, and I was really excited to bring these up because I know the guys want to talk about them. Uh, I'm not first, happy about this first one. First and foremost is the official, uh, the official seat, or sorry, the official trailer for Halloween Kills dropped. So no more like you know still photos from the set, no more teasers, nothing like that. So or no more you know footage from the first film being passed off or whatever. But this is the legitimate uh, trailer just dropped, and the big reveal in it was how the fuck Michael got out of the basement because I sure as hell couldn't figure out how it was going to happen. But apparently it was really really easy. Yeah, we all knew it was going to be some magical bullshit. I don't think it was. Ma- I don't think oh, it was magical. Get the fuck out of here! That's one guy. We just lift him out of there. I know he's in a billowing fucking cloud of smoke. I don't what think part? they. I don't think they lifted him out. I, I think that. I when- don't care. I don't care. He's in a giant <laughs> burning fireball, breathing in nothing. All the oxygen in that in the basement where he was gone is gone. But he just you know lifts himself out of there and kills everybody and fucking makes get the fuck out of here. So bad. They should have just had a helicopter come in and pick him out and then fucking electrocute him with the, you know, zuka, zuka, zuka. oh, he's back to life. <laughs> <laughs> he might as well just fly out of there. He, he fucking, <laughs> yeah, right? Just sprout wings. Oh. 
So, okay, so Johnny okay. is not Look pleased. How Look how John- angry he is. <laughs> I'm smiling. Johnny's not pleased with the with the uh, the trailer. Uh, Eugene, I have mixed feelings about it. Like I, I've gotten pretty good to be able to tell a a good movie or a bad movie based off the trailer, mm-hmm. and I didn't get like a oh this is going to be amazing vibe from that trailer. I didn't like it. It could still be good, but I started feeling like it gave too much away on it. Like for example, like okay, we're talking about how how cheesy it is that he survived. Why do you even need to show that in the trailer? Like yeah, right, exactly. That could have been a reveal, yeah. Yeah, it could have it could have just been like house on fire, and then all of a sudden it's like we think we're safe, and then he just comes back because he's Michael fucking Myers. Hmm. You and then you can he, reveal in the you can reveal in the movie how he came back, but the fact that they focused so much on it on the trailer gives me red flags because maybe that's one of the say that's one of the better parts or the parts they're more proud of in the film. And not necessarily some of the other parts. Like it just, I that's what I'm kind of afraid of. Like we saw too much in the trailer. Okay, that's too much of a reveal. I get that. I yeah. think and what really kills it for for me is if is that I already know that it's a trilogy. I already know they're going to be three movies. So I know mm-hmm. that the first the, the first one was going to end uh, with the open ending where Michael Myers is coming back. So I know this one is going to end somehow that Michael Myers is coming back for the third one. I know that. I think that the big they should sign every signs a NDA. Do not talk about. You are not allowed to release that this is going to be a trilogy. Don't tell anybody. Let it just happen. It's true. You I know, I, I, can, I can go with that. Yeah. I th- yeah. I they think just it let it happen occur naturally. Just yeah. Right. Just drop them. Yeah. And I think it would have made for the you know it would have made the suspense a little better. And I don't know. Maybe that's just me. So occasionally we I think we can agree and I would agree or that, well, I think we can agree that trailers sometimes ruin or or can have a more detrimental effect than a positive effect on a film now tim but that's the difference i think between between trailers and teasers sometimes a teaser is just a little bit to kind of like get your imagination rolling it's like oh shit you know and then you start filling in the blanks yourself without knowing too much about the movie but what i think only i think only a teaser should have been uh, an official teaser trailer should have been released about this just like a quick 30 seconds Something like that, just to allude to what was going to happen, and then move on from yeah. there. But I, you know, it's possible. Yeah, I, I have to agree. I think the trailer may have revealed a bit too much because now I know how he gets out of the basement, and I'm kind of like, okay, yeah, so, right. That's like the biggest. That's the biggest draw to go seeing the movie. Yes, how the hell? Yeah. Because the, we know it happens, right? We know it, ha- it has to, or else there's no fucking reason to have a sequel, right? So not knowing how it happens, that's going to get that would get me to go see it in a theater. Absolutely, to go see it, right? At least to figure out how the heck they they're gonna move from part one to part two. So right, yeah, it's like curious. the biggest reveal they gave it away already. It's, yeah. yeah, it's really stupid. All Speaking right, well, which what was the greatest? What was the greatest teaser trailer ever in the horror film industry? In horror films, yeah, when the Jason greatest took, teaser ever when when Jason took Manhattan. You remember that oh, one? Oh, the um, yeah, where was, he's the, on the, the, the bridge or something. And and then, yeah, he just, and walks just like it's zooming in, like it's supposed to be like a romantic drama. Or exactly. Like it's like oh, zoomed oh, in and turns oh, around and it's him. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I do recall it. Yes, yeah, it, was it, was like, it, it, was, it was like it was like New York at night. It was at the bridge. Yeah, right. Was, there, yeah, exactly. It was, so... and then, then the camera's coming in and it's setting up like it's a completely different movie. And then all of a sudden he turns around and it's him. It's like oh shit. Exactly. That's what they should have done with this one. That's awesome. 
<laughs> All right. So if uh, let us know what you think of the uh, of the recently released Halloween Kills official trailer. You can let us know in the live in the the live chat, or let us know down below in the comments, or hit us up. We can horror at gmail.com. The uh, next one, <laughs> Man Devil. Man Devil is perfect. <laughs> oh, I love Man Devil. I stood up right there in the movie theater and yelled, he never got out of the cock-a-doody car. (laughs) (laughs) You guys complaining about the basement. (laughs) That's awesome. All right. The next one up was an interesting deal because everyone, uh, we've talked about it before that there is an upcoming uh, kind of like, I guess like a remake uh, reboot of the, of the uh, Hellraiser franchise. And so the t- um, that, that, that's going to be on Showtime, right? Or HBO Max. HBO Max. Yes. Right. And they've revealed that they're and it was fucked up because it's a gender swapped pinhead. Mm-hmm. But we know from the original source material, from Clive Barker source material, that it's, it's not a gender swap. It's actually going with the original stuff right. and not the Doug Bradley one. But this is a female pinhead. And I was kind of wanted to get your guys' take on that. Well, so I think we got to really, if we really do take a look at the source material, it's they're gen, the Cenobites were genderless. Mm-hmm. So I think that we need to, you know, based on what we see, talking about you know gender fluidity, I think we need to look at it as a, just a genderless demon from uh, from the uh, lament. Further reaches of for the further reaches, reaches further yeah. reaches of experience. <laughs> exactly. From the yeah, place I'm- where nihilism comes from. <laughs> Ooh, Tony A says that no, there was only one pinhead. I think she's referring to Doug Bradley. I was going to say Doug Bradley. It's going to be very difficult to to follow that up. Yeah, the the yeah. last two assholes that did it did a shit job. So yeah. Hey, Rob Parks. Good to see you. Thank you for joining us tonight. All right, we were talking about the gender swapped pinhead that's coming to HBO Max. Technically, not a gender swap because the original uh, pinhead was female in um, the uh, the Hellbound Hearts. You know Parker. what? I, what would be good is if they continue with that—that that, uh, the source material, or at least the idea of the source material, where Kirsty mm-hmm. Cotton becomes the new priestess of the underworld. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Kind of okay. do okay, could, may, could could uh, could potentially do like an Evil Dead thing, right? Um, where it's, it's, it's not so much a reboot or, or a sequel, but more of a um, continuation, continuation of the story. Of yeah. the story. Intriguing. Yeah. I like that. Where the exact same thing happens to the lead characters, but you know, whatever. <laughs> not, a, not a reboot at all. Well, uh, definitely let us know what you, uh, what everyone out there listening, definitely let us know what you think of this new information. Going back to the source material for the Hellraiser reboot on coming to HBO Max, the uh, gender swapped pinhead. It definitely obviously Doug Bradley's getting up there and he's retired from the role. So let's see what happens. Let us know what you think. And of course, the uh, last thing we want to do is we want to make a big announcement. We have two new patrons who joined our patron family just recently, and that is Mr. Malort and my man Charlie Welch. Yes, who are, thank who are you. two new patrons. Thank you all so much for your support. And of course, you will get uh, special access to our patron-only area in Discord. And, of course, the opportunity to interact with us uh, via After Dark Sessions when we do, like, the movie game or various other things like that. And um, early access to the After Dark, the Bloodbath, and our Weekend Horror newsletter. So thank you so much. Yes, we do appreciate it. You guys rock. Yes, thank you. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You help keep the show going. 
Absolutely. And uh, definitely look for coming to patron for all of our patrons. We have some behind the scenes stuff coming up that we'll be posting up there in July of, of the nail gun remake. So you guys can get first look at some of the behind the scenes uh, stills from behind the scenes, little uh, uh, some photos from behind or just some photos from behind the scenes and some videos from behind the scenes from uh, the production of that proof of concept uh, film that we that you guys saw a brief clip of. So cool stuff coming uh, coming to all of our patrons and, of course, later on to everybody else when we were able to reveal it to the public. So oh, yes. thank you all so much again. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> Charlie Walt says he felt bad after winning so much swag. <laughs> <laughs> hey, look, you know, fair is fair. Is fair so Fair's fair. fair is you know, fair. You know, yep, your, yep. You, you know your trivia or your, your Google fingers are faster than most exactly. people. So, well, speaking of trivia, speaking of Google fingers and speaking of what the fuck we're doing here, JL, what <laughs> movie do we have up first? Oh, we have an amazing one up first. Uh, I can't believe I said that this one is amazing. <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> like, I'm not sure I agree with you on that one, yes. but uh, let me pull up and just get my notes real quick because I was on the wrong one. Um, here we go. So release. That's what she said. <laughs> As the actress said to the bishop. Uh Released Sorry. July 5th, 1988. I was eight fucking years old when this movie came out. And man, does this man does this movie show it. Um, the movie's <laughs> The Rejuvenator. <laughs> the Rejuvenator. Also known as the Re- also known as Rejuvenatrix. Uh, directed by Brian Thomas Jones and written by Brian Thomas Jones and Simon Nuckturn. Uh, starring Vivian Lenko, John McKay. Uh, the story is, uh, uh, for those who most likely have not seen this movie, the, in a nutshell, uh, The Rejuvenator is about an age an aging actress who wishes to, uh, who's using her fortune to fund experimental science to try and make her young again. And the scientist that she's funding as she's, you know, keeping him on the leash, you know, like with her sexual wiles and stuff, eventually has a breakthrough and develops something that can turn her from an old woman back into a young woman with disastrous consequent or disastrous side effects that oh, take place so say you know, <laughs> in, this, in this genre there ain't nothing but disastrous side effects <laughs> you mean wait wait you mean shit got real shit got very real <laughs> hey phd tony good to see you phd tony is in the house ph swing and d tony Awesome. Ph. I'll give you the D I'm, later. Tony. Another one of our amazing patrons. <laughs> I'll give you the D later. <laughs> Good to see you, Tony. All right. So um, I have to, I, something that struck me in this that, that really really got me. We watch. I mean, we watch so many uh, horror movies. We you know, where you know it's sort of science pushes too far or medicine gone wrong or something of their experimental mm-hmm. shit out of out of control. The one thing that struck me in this was that it was almost a total flip. Um, the actress, uh, played by Vivian Lanco, the uh, Mrs. Actually, it's funny, Mrs. Warren. Mrs. Warren. Mrs. Yeah. Warren. You know, this is great. But the uh-huh. actress, the actress is the one who drives the, the the bad science. The scientist is constantly telling her, "We can't do this. This yeah, is unethical. This is unethical. Yeah. This is this is this is bad news. We no no, it's too risky. I, I you you might die. You know all this stuff." And she's like, "No no no, I have." All this money, I'm a you know. Here's a blank check. No, we'll just do it. And it's like, what the fuck? <laughs> so for once in a horror film, I think this is the first time in a horror film I've seen that with the lead scientist is like, we really shouldn't do this. And it's the person funding the science going, no, we must, we must, we must continue right. on. And it's like, uh, but the, the, uh, other than that, damn, 
uh, there's a reason this film was was free on YouTube. <laughs> I don't know. I don't. I just. I don't know how much I want to comment on the fact that it looked like a VHS transfer when I was watching, and because no. there were there were times where the tracking was trying to adjust. <laughs> so okay, for everybody who is under the age of probably 25. Tracking is whenever you would put a VHS tape. Now, VHS tape for everybody who's under the age of 30 is this little square thing. It looks like a big cassette tape. Now, a cassette tape for everybody under the age. <laughs> now, a tape is a tape. <laughs> you have these two reels. So that yes. would turn. Now, a reel is basically. <laughs> A photograph <laughs> when you go <laughs> through the history of technology. <laughs> oh, but but I have but I do but I do have to I do have to say uh surf surf is in the house. Good to see you, surf. Surf says you mean Betamax? Those two. Yeah. Fun oh. fact, the reason why Betamax failed is because of the porn industry. Yeah, yep. porn shows a uh, VHS. Yep. <laughs> Oh, but um, man, oh man, oh, that's the whole reason why. Uh, why? Um, what was the other one? The 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 uh, challenger to Blu-ray was uh was just HD, oh, HD, yeah, HD, HD like DV, uh, HD DVD, like yeah, yeah. And that's what Microsoft was backing. Microsoft backed that, but blue, but Sony black backed Blu-ray, and the porn industry chose Blu-ray, so that's why yeah. HD DVD uh, failed. So it happened again. Yep. yep. Um. But anyway, uh, I will say. The devil says it's a bunch of really fast oil paintings. <laughs> <laughs> Drawn in real time, too. Like very a, like, like, like a flip book. But yep, yep. Oh my old God. School, old school animation. There you go. <laughs> oh, Rob Park says, I did not know that. The power of boners is strong. I, he has the power of bon boners rule the world, is what they do. Um, <laughs> the innovations of the porn industry. I, I you know, Tony A says she hated Blu-ray, and I, and, you know, I gotta tell you this. When I first found, when I first saw my first, when I saw my first Blu-ray disc, I was like, "Why is this thing fucking slimy? Why is it? What is it? What is this like?" Uh... <laughs> No, it's because wow. it, they're so they're so slick on the um, on the right. information side. Sure. Oh, shut up! We were talking about how Sony backed the porn industry. You're like, why is this just so slimy? <laughs> Commander Darklight's in the house. Good to see you, Commander Darklight. Another one of our amazing patrons. Good topic change right there. Good topic. What I was trying, what I was trying to say, Mister Ballard, you are correct. Porn drives technology. Yep. Um, what I was trying to say is that despite the obvious, the you know, the, comes from despite the obvious fallback, or the I would say the obvious, you know, I can't use that term either. I was going to say <laughs> despite despite the obvious ball drops, but uh, but despite where this movie failed, I do have to admit it, it did it was it felt like a very nice blend between Corman between Roger Corman's work, like with the Wasp Woman, and definitely some body horror, some Cronenberg style body horror. Trying really hard to be the fly, but obviously not going to happen. But uh, but interesting in that respect. I have to give it that. Yeah, it, it kind of it came across. It was to me it was kind of like a off version of like Reanimator on it, mm. except for the okay. except for the fact because Reanimator still get a lot of the body horror and all that kind of stuff that we love from like Stuart Gordon, but it just. It didn't quite hit, I think, as well. Well, because it didn't it. have a headless dude doing the thing to a lady. 
Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Maybe, maybe that's what would have made the movie. But, but 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 what, what was something you cite uh, Eugene a lot? This really didn't have the characterization to really have- to really sell something like the fly did, like Cronenberg. Because I mean, obviously, one of the big one of the big things we herald about the fly we love so much is the chemistry between Jeff Goldblum and Gina Davis. Yep. Which yeah. what makes that is, is the relationship mechanic is as important as the fact that he's turning into a fly monster. Whereas in this yeah. one, all we see is really kind of a... a, a they're one-dimensional a, characters. Yeah, they're one-dimensional. Yeah, the I, scientist I mean, is one-dimensional. Well, I mean, he was one-dimensional until like the last 30 seconds of the film right. when he's like, ha-ha, I will live forever because I am... Because, you yeah, know, whatever, and then he dies. So... Yeah. Yeah, so going back on to... Going back to talking about with Jeff Goldblum and all that, he didn't start out as this evil scientist trying to do evil things. He started out as somebody who wanted to make transportation faster. Mm-hmm. Right, and then yeah. he fucked up and turned himself into a monster, which is cool. There's development, there's character there, and he's got this relationship that he's building with Gina Davis, and Gina Davis's character, you know, she's seeing this as a you know a reporter looking at a story, and then all of a sudden now she's involved in this horror. Now she's got you know the the, the fly baby inside of her. The, the The story is built, whereas this one just seems like a bastardization of Nathaniel Hawthorne's The Birthmark. I can see that. Okay. I also got. I also kind of got the sensation that, um, given that I mean, given the monster effects, this is done by Edward French, who is uh, not one of the larger names in the industry, but he did work on several on several other films. But just you know, wasn't really. I mean, that huge. This really kind of felt like it could have been an episode of The Outer Limits. Just, hey, honest, I mean, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it could have been reduced to a forty-five minute episode, a ride of The Outer Limits, because there's there's just nothing about this film that like stands out on it because even if you look at you look at uh reanimator you have jeffrey combs jeffrey combs is a a character that you remember he is like boom he's a scientist he's driven and that's what draws you to this film and we talk about with the fly with jeff goldblum and stuff like that this movie yeah it has it has some great practical effects and makeup work and all this other kind of stuff but there's just nothing that's really memorable about yeah. Great. Yeah. Yeah. It, it because there's no no there's no character build. You know, there's no like this lady comes in. I'm old. Like from the beginning of the movie. Hey, I'm this old. I'm old and dying. I need to be young again. There's no like you know her whatever, and then realizing that you know she's past her prime based on whatever. Right. She just sees herself. Oh, I'm getting older. I need to be young. I need to be young or live forever again. There's no development there. There's no reason other than she's getting older. Like, cool, everybody's getting older. Why this particular woman decided that she had to spend all of her fortune on not getting older? Even if the even if the answer is as obvious as, as you know, well, society deems that women who are past a certain age aren't considered attractive anymore because of whatever. Even if that would have been it, that would have been good enough to help build some character. Yeah, yeah, like maybe, like maybe she was the star actress that we see here constantly getting turned down for roles, or as like studios, or like producers and directors are turning her back on her. But and she's like a good person, yeah. but she's like she she thrives in that limelight and say she wants like the one last time to get be the star of something, and that's why she's so obsessed. So right. you can really build that characterization and then the gore and the transformation and stuff as just a byproduct of that 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 would would have been a better story that definitely would have helped to to that would have helped us as the audience to adjust to the fact that she so readily and so easily accepted the fact that she was turning into a monster that was ripping people's heads off and eating their fucking brains right so it's kind of like because in the in the movie 
it definitely she comes along. I mean, they have the big moment where obviously the research assistant, you know, is there. And so and then she encounters her after she's traded, she's transformed and she knocks the top of her head off and eats her fucking brain. And then she transforms back. And, she, and then the, you know, the, the, the main doctor suddenly arrives. And is like, oh, my God, you killed this, the assistant. And then she's back to normal again. So she realizes now that she can eat brains and go back and forth. But she, she the characters seem to accept that a little too easily. Like, this is just who I am now. This yeah. is fantastic. This is this is gonna work. They're like this is gonna work out. I've got plans. It's like no, no. Wait a minute. Is- wait a minute. I just gotta eat a brain or two for lunch and dinner, and I'm good. Fuck. It, let's do it. Yeah. Oh, that that now. like that's like, about it. Instead of you could have really dove into a morality part where yes. it's like it's her drive versus the cost of that drive. Definitely. Right. Like, like, what they, is they, a they, sacrifice? And really like, play that up. Yeah, like, they, uh, like I would say, uh, harkening back to like Cronenberg. Cronenberg was really, really good, especially with the film like Rabbit, where mm-hmm. she used the, the experimental treatment to uh, to survive the motor- motorcycle action she's in, but that and then she develops a thing that comes out of her armpit and turns people into zombies and shit. And but wasn't that, that it, uh, wasn't that Night of the Return of the Living Dead three. Mm. <laughs> no, yeah, motorcycle accident breaks her neck, brings her back to life, and all of a sudden yeah. she's this like. Stab herself, nude thing running around all the place. Oh no? yeah, <laughs> that's how I swing. But <laughs> I tell you, I just I, I, ever since I was ever since I was ever since I was a young man, I had a fascination with that cover because why is she so hot yet so gruesome? Why is that? I <laughs> did not get down with that cover. I thought you know, like if, here comes here comes somebody with razor wire fucking sewn down her face like. Mm. I'm gonna let, I'm gonna let her fingers, go in dude, front of the me. Fingers. I'm gonna let her go in front of me to get the soda at the place or where we're at. She can go before me. We're cool. Depends what she's gonna do with that razor wire. Hmm. Well, so nothing, thing, nothing good can come from that razor wire in me. Okay. Well, one thing I can uh, one thing I can say uh, that, or I thought was was kind of interesting was, and I think that they should have spent a little bit more time on it was. It was definitely this. What it was a, a body horror film because she's transforming into a monster physically, and mm-hmm. they got like you know the, the head going blah blah, right? You know, like you know she gets all slimy all of a sudden. So we got the the body horror aspect, and then you have the kind of science run amok, um, you know, bad you know experimental shit. Mm-hmm. But the it, it, there was almost like a neo noir flair to it. It was in the way it was shot. So it was almost like uh, the director, um, fucking uh, uh, fucking jo- uh, uh, Brian Jones, was trying to shoot this thing. Did anybody else get a Sunset Boulevard vibe off this thing? And see, maybe that maybe that was something that was also off because I like noirs, but w- why would you shoot this type of story in a noir way? It's it seems weird. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I okay. So I respect the film for trying to mix genre. I respect that, right? Trying new things, especially during the '80s when the horror film genre was really blowing up um, with different different styles. You know, body horror and monster films and slashers and all this shit. I so I respect it for trying to at least, hey, let's try something different. Let's mix some things in there. But I think this is just not the story. I don't know. I think if I think if it had better character development. Uh, better arc, better story arcs. I think it would have worked as a noir. Okay, think- maybe, maybe that's right. Because I'm thinking, like, in terms of 80s, think like Blade Runner, and it was almost like they watched Blade Runner, and then they're just like, 
I kind of like the lighting like in that. that. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. We don't have it takes place modern day, not in the future, but we'll use the same lighting and same right. like shot compositions yeah. for it. But Blade Runner is very character driven and very well thought out in terms of its story and philosophy. And it has and Harrison just, Ford in it. So and it has Harrison yeah. Ford. But Harrison Ford admitted <laughs> he like he admitted he like half assed the film and then watched it afterwards and he was like, oh. Yeah. Oh, okay. Never mind. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'll tell you, I'll tell you, but I'll tell you, nobody else half casted in that film. Yeah. Because Edward James Olmos, Daryl Hannah, yeah. uh, um, Rutger Hauer. I thought everybody was amazing in that. Even, so, even what's your name? The Fink. Uh, Sean, Sean Young. Sean Young. Yeah. Sean yeah. Young was fantastic. So, but yeah, I just, it, 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 that was the one thing that kept, that kept grabbing me as I was watching this, because this could have been a, a throwaway, just monster film. Like I said, it could have been an episode of Outer Limits, the evils of you know, science, or being greedy or something. Like, it had been a cautionary right. tale of the, of the actress's attitude. We could have just fit this all into like a 30 to 45 minute production, and then just, you know, put it on, to, and it, it tamed down the gore, and it could have been a Twilight Zone episode. So it could have been that you know, stretched out into a feature length, which is which is fine. But it was the way it was shot kept grabbing my attention. I was like, "That's interesting." Mm-hmm. I mean, why did he choose to do that? Ah, maybe. And, and I, I started thinking, maybe because the director knew that this was not going to be a great movie, and he had to do something to make it interesting. At least do something visually interesting. Let's make it, it as pretty way. as possible. Yeah, right. just try to do something to kind of set it apart. Which I, it it, it kept my attention to the credits. I got to give it that. So, yeah. Yeah. I think that uh, this is something that should have spent another probably six weeks in pre production development. And I think would have made it a much better film. Mm, definitely. Characterization. Oh. Characterization. Yep. We, have the, yes. we, we have to. I mean, the audience has got to care about the people on screen. If they're one dimensional, there's nothing to connect them to them, especially if they're mm-hmm. tropes where typically these are bad tropes, you know, like the, uh, the, the completely out of, out of touch of reality actress, the scientist willing to go against ethics, the, you know, whatever, there's nothing more within them than why would we care about whatever happens to these people? That's what makes the slasher film so great is because we love the backstory of the slasher, like, like Friday the 13th, why that works. We love the backstory of Jason. We love the backstory of everything that led up, everything that led up to him being what he is. And all these teens we throw into the wood chipper, there's a reason because they're pointless. They're just they're fodder. Unless it's the well, one even final still, girl, and the final girl gets stuff to make us care about her being a final girl. Right, but even still, we can kind of care about these teenagers who are just fodder, right? Because they are there and being thrown into the wood chipper as fodder for no fault of their own, right? So you've got it's we're talking about when you're talking about Friday the thirteenth, you're talking about a mother who lost a child many, 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 many years ago. To completely different group of people. Yep. Yet she's taking it out on these kids. Like they had nothing to do with what happened to her son. You know, yeah, so you we can we can right. kind of care about them. Like, well, they're just in the wrong place at the wrong time, and that fucking sucks. Even things like that, little things like that, man, really go a long way to help uh, make a story to to Absolutely. get people invested into the story. Definitely. 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 All right. Well, one thing I want to ask our audience. Um, given you know this film was released under two different titles, which one did y'all prefer? Peace Tony says you're trying to generalize a category of films. <sighs> He's always got a date. Nah, <laughs> Tony hates literature. It's all I, yeah, that's all I'm saying. Yeah. So <laughs> which one, which okay, which title do you think would have been better on this movie? 
Rejuvenatrix or the the one it went with, the Rejuvenator. Polish a turd. <laughs> does it does it matter? <laughs> I want to know because I think if this wouldn't have been called if this had been released as Rejuvenatrix, I think it might have done a little bit better. I think so. But I, would, I mean but, but then again, maybe not, because it probably would have pissed people off more because it wasn't like there's was a lot of sex in this thing. There was one sex scene and a few boobies. That's it. So your typical horror film. Well, yeah, but it wasn't even that. But it wasn't. It wasn't the boobies weren't even the focus of the scene. What are you, six boobies. Boobies. <laughs> titties. Okay. Okay. Well, well, it's true. Jessica G's not there, so I can say titties. The titties. <laughs> the titties were actually tertiary. They were actually, like off to the side. It was like, oh, hey, there's some titties over there on, on, on the corner of the frame, but it's not the focus of the frame. There's actually titties why in the not? background. I don't know. I, I want to point out. I want to point out that if Jessica G popped in right now, it would be the <laughs> slowest play, like prank ever. Just be a gotcha <laughs> recording. Boom! I'm out. <laughs> Man, Devil says it should have been forever run, forever young. That's not never been a terrible movie, right? Hey, I like that Mel Gibson film. Okay, brings the young guy turns into the old guy. It was one of the few good Mel Gibson yeah, films. Yeah, it was cute. Elijah Woods was really good. Jamie Lee Curtis was really good. Sarah Vela says, I'm not sure think it would have had the same impact. Uh, most likely. I, I honestly, yeah. with Rejuvenatrix, you expect something a little bit a little bit more Cormany and less Cronenberg. Because this is a little bit more Cronenberg than it was Roger Corman. With Corman, we, we need lots, we need lots of titties, lots of, you know, lots of ads, lots of TNA is what we yeah. need. These are the hallmark, lots of TNA, lots of gore. It's yep. just the hallmark of a of a standard Corman horror film. So I think it, it took a little bit more from the Cronenberg side, which was fine, but we just didn't have the characterization to back it up. I but, think a rose is but a rose, no matter what you call it. This is not <laughs> a turd is but a turd. And this no one, yeah, this it. one probably more accurately, a turd is a turd, no matter which way you smell it. <laughs> <laughs> well, pretty much everybody's in the mind. It was like, yeah, rejuvenator, rejuvenator was fine. Rejuvenator would have worked. Um, so yeah, I think uh, probably the, I have to remember this was as yes, Tony A says you have to remember that this was in the eighties. This was nineteen eighty eight. In fact, you mentioned nineteen eighty eight. Oh, you mentioned earlier Friday the Thirteenth Part Eight came out in nineteen eighty eight, which is <laughs> yes. which yes. is funny. All right, uh, we have Bob Nodell's Jackson says don't don't forget Mel Gibson was good in Mad Max. In Mad Max, he was he was good. I like Mad I like Mad Max. I liked the first two. Yeah. He was also fantastic in Lethal Weapon. I liked him in the first Lethal Weapon. That was just the I liked him that, in the first, the and the fourth, two well, he, and three. He was good at two. He was good at well, two. Well, no, he, no, I, 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 he I, wasn't the problem with two. Yeah, he wasn't the problem with two, and he wasn't the problem with three. Yeah, that was that was some other stuff. But I but I really actually enjoyed four. I thought I liked four a lot better than I thought I was going to. Yeah, me too. Mm-hmm. Because All of right. Rock. <laughs> I swear. Let me start over again. All right. But Eugene, you've got our next one. What do we have? I promise we're going up. We can only go up from here. We can only go up. We can only go up from this last one. So. The next film we have coming up is Sharknado release. No, I'm just kidding. Ah. <laughs> you should have went with it. You should have went with it. I didn't, I didn't write this. I didn't write it. 
<laughs> this is not you just stick with the copy. Eugene, the copy is good. Stick with the copy. <laughs> stick with the copy. Really? God damn it, you know Eugene will read whatever's on that thing. <laughs> Go fuck yourself, San Diego. <laughs> I fucking knew he was gonna go there. <laughs> All right. Released July 8th, 1988. We have the second installment in the Phantasm series. I know a couple people have already talked about it. We have Phantasm 2, directed by Don Coscarelli. If I got that oh, right. you knocked it out of the park. I will never say that name again. <laughs> he will be from here on out, he'll be known as the director. That's it. <laughs> the guy Sorry. behind the camera. Yeah. The one guy who put this together. And <laughs> so and so we have starring James Lee Gross, Reggie Bannister, Angus Scrim, Paula Irving, and Samantha Phillips. And basically, in a nutshell, you have the character who gets out of the mental institution after the haunting things that happened to him in the first Phantasm, and he actually goes after the tall man to try to end the tall man's murderous spree. Mm -hmm. And shit gets real. <laughs> <laughs> and shit gets spherical. Spherical, mm -hmm. yeah. As in a lot of flying balls. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to say flying balls. I'm going to be honest. <laughs> there were a lot of flying balls. <laughs> Many flying balls. Many flying Because it's the 80s. And uh, as JL has put on the script, bigger is better. Yes. Bigger. Well, that was that was the trope of the 80s, man. If you were coming sure. out with a coming out with a sequel in the 80s, it had to be larger. And it just yeah. just I don't know. I this seemed to be the thing. Um, it wasn't really there in the 70s. But in the eighties, all of a sudden, in or I guess to if you, it had to be. I just had to be larger. It had to be you, know, you either have more explosions, you got more guns, you got more action, mm -hmm. you just got you know easier lines, easier storyline, something really, really easier, to, much easier to follow. Nothing convoluted, nothing abstract. Just you know gives it. Here's the nutshell. It's formulaic. One, two, three. These are your acts. Right. Loaded up with as much hardcore as you can, and then that's what people wanted in the eighties, or at least that's what studios thought people wanted in the eighties, because. This was a far cry from. I mean, this is a big difference between Coscarelli's original vision in the uh, in the first Phantasm and obviously to this one. There was a big difference. Mm -hmm. Well, the eighties was where it was at, right? So if you think about if you think about the film industry, what the hell? yeah, was, lot, there was, was definitely a lot of that. <laughs> yeah, lot so of that's that. one of the reasons why bigger had to be better. A because you know they were all jacked up, and B because they need to pay for that jacking up. <laughs> Got that nose candy. Get that yeah, nose right. candy that's on right. the set. Yeah, that's Cocaine right. to the drug. That, they all saw that scene in Scarface and said, "Hey, I bet we could do that." There's <laughs> one of those. Uh, one, well, where's the cocaine table at? <laughs> I see the muffins and I see the coffee, but I don't see the coke. Oh, what's right here in this bottle? You know, such shit. Um, <laughs> fucking hell. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so if you look at the '80s, you look at the you had the, the '50s, '60s, where film really started to kind of kind of blossom into into the. Um, uh, the formula which we're talking about the three act three act film formula where you know it's more uh cohesive and and it's not as stylized and then you get into the 60s and the 70s 
and film kind of goes this weird, not weird direction, but a little bit different of a direction where it's more story centric and not as, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Not as like, Ooh, look at me. Here's buckets of blood. And then seventies, eighties, now slashers talking about specifically talking about the horror film genre. Then you have slashers coming out of the start more blood and this and the other age. Like, man, fuck this. We need to really ramp this shit up. And, and the 80s for me has always been the best generation when it comes to filmmaking, just in general, because we had more awesome things come out of the eight, the late 70s and the 80s. And we did, it, I think, just about any other generation, especially afterwards. But it's like the 80s was like the last really good golden years of new ideas. Uh, the filmmakers were still, or big studios were still willing to take risks. Right. And because making books into films was hit or miss. Mm-hmm. It had the same gamble as doing anything original. And I'm like, looking at this date of when this came, this one came out, this came out in 1988. Well, you look at what are some of the best sequels that came out. You got aliens. The second one, which I think came out in 86, right. bigger, better, more right. explosions, more aliens. You look at empire strikes back that came out in 1980. Yeah. Yeah, now we got a battle on a planet, and we got this lightsaber battle. We have all this stuff. It's bigger, better, better. And mm-hmm. people at the same time knew the bankability of sequels because you have all the Friday 13th and Nightmare on Elm Street and stuff. And so we're always going to up it. We're always going to be bigger, better, all this other kind of stuff. Mm. One thing I think that sequels always seem to miss out on was the ability, especially nowadays, is the ability that – you're coming, you're already coming into a story that's built, right? So the first film builds your your storyline. We already have the backstory. We should already have at least, you know, the majority of the backstory that we need. You can kind of fine-tune some things, but you can get into the the action quicker, get into the the meat and potatoes faster, more Reggie singing. I yeah. love I I love Reggie. I really do. He's one of my favorite characters. I mean, obviously he ma- he's in all five films. He makes right. the fucking movie. I mean, I, yeah. I just I love oh, the yeah. work that he does. And and he's also really really awesome. Whenever he, I mean, I hope I get to run into him again at another at another convention like Texas Frightmare. I hope he shows up. Um, but he's a blast. The dude's obviously very very cool. Um, one thing that I really say, obviously, when they do this with a with a freaking sequel, yeah, bigger is not always better. We can we can definitely say that. Right. Yeah. I did like the concept of having the uh, of having because uh, in the okay in the first film the first film was very very abstract very very dream there's almost an ethereal dream like quality to it mm-hmm. like is this really going on where where it blurs the lines between what is reality and what is what is you know or I guess what the reality we know and the reality of something else like the dreamscape or something so there was the like the moment obviously the moments in the funeral home were very very uh were very intense and could could have been as easily a dream as it was real life coscarelli intended for the whole series the whole entire series is a meditation on the death of one's parents Mm -hmm. and which is where i think the first film it it really capsulates that beautifully the only thing that gave us good about going bigger and better with the sequel was that we got angus scrim who is yeah obviously yeah boy you know i fucking love that shit um in the first one, he's just he's like a scary, imposing figure. He's like the shape in Halloween. You know, he's just like the, the image of the tall man. But in the second one, we get to see this motherfucker is a serious goddamn badass. And it's not just he's the imposing presence. He actually gets to be 
like the straight up villain that we have. This is why he's not just scary because he looks scary or implied that he's scary. No, legit, we get to find out that you know he is he is scary. So I yeah. like that concept a little bit. You know, getting to add in a little. It was a it was a good justification for explore, exploring his character more and finding out why he's the big bad villain of this of this franchise. And I dug that very very much. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Um, I like a little bit more of the abstract. I think it, it sets the tone a little bit more because of because it's the series revolves so much around death mm-hmm. on it. They're in the funeral home, mortician, and all this other kind of stuff. And it would have been interesting to continue to go down that route with a little bit of after. We say return, they return back to it in a third one, but. I always compare it to like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, where you have the very first one is a art house film. It's very artistic, ah, yeah. and all mm-hmm. the other is artistic. It's everything. That's why some people may not say say it's the first pure slasher film because it's more of an art house. Then you get to the second Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and they're underground. It's crazy and many chainsaws and all this other kind of stuff <laughs> out, of, out of nowhere. You know, once again, the eighties bigger. Yeah. Oh, you go to the third one. How big was the chainsaw in the third one? The fucking thing was like four feet long. Oh, just, why not? <laughs> and it's, it's made and it's of gold. And it's emblazoned <laughs> with the saw, saw or the saw's family. It's just like, what's this custom made chainsaw shit? <laughs> I mean, you know, if you're going to have a chainsaw, you might as well be, you know, fucking gold embroidered and custom with your <laughs> studded diamonds and your name on there, Phantasm. <laughs> so yeah, and so it doesn't just apply. So the bigger, the the bigger and better, and you know, just more action, more explosion. It doesn't just handle for sci- you know, I guess sci-fi movies or, or action movies itself. Also applies to the horror genre, especially in the eighties. Right. So they always got you know, I mean, I'll be you look at Predator eighty six, Predator two. I think was uh, was it ninety two? I think no. it was ninety. Like 91, 90? 1991. I think it was five. It was five years after the first one, right? Ninety one. Nineteen ninety. Yeah, it was nineteen ninety. Okay, so 90, okay. so right there on the tail, you know, like we're coming off right, we're coming right off the eighties, but definitely bigger, more explosions, more action, more guns. I mean, Phantasm, uh, Phantasm to the 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 triple barrel shotgun. Why they not? had that, and then I think then I saw that years later I see a zombie film where it has a quad barrel shotgun, so it just keeps getting you know. I mean, look, and then fast forward, we have a you know a vampire film where you got a you know six shooter pecker gun. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> or, or, filmmaking is escalation. That is what, what it's it about. Yeah. So. yeah, I really think that a lot of people, when they get into that, well, we got to do it bigger. We got to do it better. We got to boom, 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 boom. Mm-hmm. I would like to see somebody take. <clears throat> like there was no way that James Cameron could have done Aliens less than alien right so that one had to go bigger yeah mm-hmm. so i would like to see somebody take one that's already you know kind of in the middle somewhere medium where it's not uh you know it's not really over the top but it's not really subdued or then take it down like i would like to see somebody take a friday the 13th for instance and make it into more of a psychological horror film you know interesting okay. that could be interesting yeah well i mean stephen king was talking about possibly doing a of writing a friday the 13th Story or possibly screenplay, screenplay. Well, from the uh, from with the film is from the perspective of Jason. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, titties, cut them off. Uh. Tony Regime, Tony Regime says, and Tony Regime, thank you for joining us tonight. It's good to see you. It says, 80 sequels were just too eager to jump the shark. I see what you did there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Rob Parks, which chainsaw is it? It's the one with bad motherfucker on it. You know what? <laughs> that would be the shit. That would be. That would be <laughs> I, would lo- I would love to see that. You know, yeah, because he, uh, what was it? Uh, Sam Jackson said that he wanted to be in the new Star Wars film, but he wanted to be, you know, single that distinguishable. And the only way he could be distinguishable is if he had a purple lightsaber. So if he's going to be in, you know, hey, Sam Jackson, be, uh, you know, Freddy. Cool. Well, my glove has to say. <laughs> <laughs> Man Devil, yes, they, yes. The the shotgun I was referencing was Undead, one of the best Aussie Aussie zombie horror films. But yes, that 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 quad barrel shotgun was badass. And Mr. Laura reminds me that yes, Reggie strapped two double barrel shotguns together. How he made that bad boy. So <laughs> Rob Park says he thinks that they are, they're trying to do that with Halloween, Johnny. Are they? <sighs> I, I, see this the the new Halloween Kills one. Like it feels like it's trying to be bigger than the first one. I'll, I I got that vibe right off the bat. Yeah, with the, with the whole like obviously the house burning down. He comes out. That's the start of the movie. Is a yeah. big fiery inferno. And then he's back on the streets. He's killed all the firefighters. Now Laurie is going to unite the town of Haddonfield against Michael as he is you know you know slicing his way through everybody hmm. what you really need to like would that be like a campaign she would have to go through though hey guys uh, there's a big tall guy killing people let's go get him you know you know what i want to see i want to see an all-out battle like braveheart style or like uh, the dark knight rises where you have michael on one side and the entire town on another mm-hmm. side and they like run into each other and then he's, michael's like winning he's as he's hacking on everybody <laughs> fucking he's got like this, this you know fucking scythe and shit just like fucking chopping people all <laughs> interview with a vampire style <laughs> 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 Yeah, just straight up epic battles. Got all I, kinds of weapons and shit, you know, machetes and knives and all this shit. Just fucking just hacking people to death. Two two shotguns in the back. Dude, <laughs> fucker, fucker, like, you know, like Michael yeah. Myers just wading into it like Tom Cruise and collateral. Just like yeah. <laughs> So Man Devil says, imagine if Jason's inner monologue was eloquent like Nick Cage in raising Arizona. <laughs> all right, so you say that as a joke. And it would be fucking hilarious. That would be hilarious. But, but I do think that if it was a more of like a Norman Bates style thing going on in there, that would be interesting. Really interesting and on point with the character because he was very much in love with his mother. Not like you know a sexual way, but mm-hmm. uh, you know that was his like driving force. Mm-hmm. So Halloween meets High Noon. Mm, exactly. <laughs> yes. And Tony Tony Regine says, my guess of the trivia question is Ed Gein. Mm. Interesting. Yeah, interesting. <laughs> interesting. Uh, but, but all right, well, we've talked about uh, quite a few sequels. And what I would actually want to ask the audience is, what is your favorite entry in the Phantasm series? There's five of them total. Mm-hmm. And they're all good. They're all they're all good for different reasons, but they're yeah. actually all good. This isn't this isn't one of those where it's like, okay, the first one and the first two are good, and then it's just complete trash. There's decent entries in all in all five. So let us know in the comments below or shoot us an email at weekendhorror at gmail.com. 
What is your favorite Phantasm entry? You know, I, I you know, I think it had and it was better than any, any of I think it had any right to be. Ravager was good. The fifth one was, was, was a, one. a surprisingly yeah. good wrap up to that franchise because uh, Anga and you know I'm so glad that they got Anga scrimmed throughout the whole thing because he was getting up there in years, but they were able to to finish it to finish it strong, and he passed away. Uh, I think uh, short, shortly after the release of Ravager. But um, I, I, I think I was like, oh man, the fifth one, Angus has passed away, you know. I, you know, but he was. It wasn't like he was, you know, too sick or too frail. This wasn't like seeing what breaks my heart. It wasn't like seeing Sid Haig in uh, Three from Hell, because you could tell Rob Zombie was, should be fucking beat for making Sid Haig be in that film. Yeah, it was just it yeah. Was, it, it was it was hard. I mean, it was difficult to watch because you could tell you know, he. I mean, he was sick. And they managed to get this one scene out of him, and at least you know he had the, he kind of had the energy there and thing. But it was just it was just a sad reminder of what we already knew. It was like fuck, and we should see him like right on his way out, which kind of broke my heart a little bit. But um, but uh, I like this one. You know, Angus Scrim was fantastic. He still had the voice. He still had the the you know, he had the presence, and he was able to bring it. And I, I, Ravager was way better than I anticipated it was going to be. It really was. I think Ravager was better than what anybody anticipated. Yeah. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you right now when I'm going into a fifth film in a franchise, I'm not expecting much. <laughs> I'm, even like even if you somehow blow me away with the fourth film of it, just 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 series in general, if you blow mm-hmm. me away with the fourth film and they're like we're coming out with a five, I'm always like, should you? Should well, you? We, we, well, well, yeah. well, here, here's an interesting question before we dive in for uh, Johnny takes our third film. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I just read so, the Patrick Stewart comment. If Jason did a monologue, is voiced by Patrick Stewart. Thank you, Gavlar, the head of Zod. I know I'm going to have that in my head for every time I watch a Friday the 13th. So, why are these so, girls kissing each other? So, we, we <laughs> talked about Patrick. the the end. The end of, yes, Mr. Boyd. Yeah, Ravager was a pleasant surprise. Um, what do we, okay. We always talk about, you know, the, you know, pretty much the end of the franchise, any credibility franchise, when it goes to space. So, like, you know, Jason goes to space, Leprechaun goes to space, Hellraiser goes to space. Did Phantasm ever go to space? I think it should have gone to space. Because technically it was, like, space-time. It was, like, alternate dimensions and alternate yeah, timelines. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't would consider space. Yeah, you know, like, man. to me, space is, like, you're on a space station, like Leprechaun in space or okay. Jason X. Like, you're on a space station. Right. Okay, like gotcha. Yeah. Or critter, like critters in space, because critters, critters four was in space. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So okay. So if, if it's on a space station or a spaceship, legitimately extraplanetary in space, outer space, yeah. outer space. Yeah, because yeah, okay, like just different different dimensions and stuff like that. Like so, well, like Hellraiser, where they go the second one, where they go into the other dimension. I wouldn't count that. What what when Malor, Mr. Malor brings up a good question, another planet. That's not space. Not That's space. Not space. So technically not space. Technically not space, but I can. We can make the the sci-fi connection there. So okay, gotcha. But but technically That's we, a gray we, area. But technically, we we wouldn't say phantasm in space. Yeah, so I, I would no, because it has to be actually in space. Another right. planet, another uh, dimension to me wouldn't count. Rob Parks brings up a good point. Unless someone dies in an airlock, it's not space. That's true. Okay. That's true. That okay, sense. man. But yeah. nobody died in the airlock in Alien. That was on. It was in space. In the first Alien. Yeah. 
the alien. Well, he the alien blew, got she him. He blew it out the goddamn. Yeah, air it's, it's the alien can survive in space, but yeah, she blew it out through the air. She blew it out yeah. the airlock, and then it went into the, uh, and then it tucked the itself engine. up into the engine, and then she blasted. Okay, I think yeah. that's yeah. yeah, that's space. Does that count? Yeah. That counts. Yeah, it's still space. They're not. A, they're only for a planet briefly. That's it. No, I know aliens in space. Yeah, yeah, I'm there. But the airlock thing. I, oh, the airlock thing. Oh, the airlock. Uh, let's see. I, th- I think it's part of the death chain. Like it's if That's the true. alien was blown out and then came back in and they fought again, then I would say no. But the airlock was instrumental in the alien's death. Ah, oh, I, Bob mean, Nodell, I don't know. I thought uh, Bob the Nodell Nodell is, the, yeah, it's two fifteen. It is two fifteen in Ireland, where Bob Nodell's gyroscope is. Uh, thank you for joining us. He's going to go to bed, so he's getting sleepy. So, uh, okay, Broad Parks is okay. Blown out an airlock. So yes, blown out an oh, airlock. Blown out of airlock. Okay. And okay. then Dave, uh, Dave, uh, Mandel says Dave almost died in an airlock. Hmm. Mm. This is going to require uh, more study, more research. Yes. More research, and we will, we will yes. figure out an answer to this. <laughs> this is interesting. It's technically okay. So the question is, does okay? Is a space when a horror movie goes to space? Is it a space film if someone does not get blown out of an airlock? Or well, so then we get then we can't say that bloodline because nobody got blown out of an airlock in, in Hellraiser Bloodline. Uh-huh. So, ah. so so maybe it has to be because uh, I was just saying the thing, I was saying, okay, you know, Event Horizon had an airlock scene. Yep. Uh Alien Resurrection had an airlock scene. Yep. Um Alien Two Aliens had a had an airlock I don't think scene. Critters had an airlock scene. Mm, but well, yeah, I guess it was one in space. The fourth one was in space. Yeah. Yeah, the fourth one was uh, Critters Four was in space. And I don't think it had an airlock scene. Mm. I'm trying to. I don't think so either. Yeah, I don't remember one. Anyways, of course, I've only seen the movie maybe maybe two. Yeah, I've seen it. I've seen it maybe once or twice. Yeah, Yeah. it's It's been been a while. Okay, all right. Well, we'll look into it. We'll definitely look into this. This is an interesting question. We won't do that. We won't look into it. We'll forget about it as soon as we turn this shit off. <laughs> no, no. These two, these two, these two. J- are JL's, gonna, yeah, he's taking notes. Oh, turn gotta look these two are going to forget about it. I will be all over this shit. I'll be like, I've got a fucking answer. Yeah, because <laughs> these two, <laughs> these two work. <laughs> I, I, I work. I work at. I work on this. <laughs> I almost, I almost, I was almost tempted on social media, like the weekend horror page. I was gonna take a picture of like the television screen with rejuvenator and just like boom. I love my job. <laughs> <Just kidding. laughs> Fucking yay! <laughs> All right, let's uh, fast forward out of the eighties. Sorry, Ivy. Yeah. Yeah. This is probably a slimy Blu-ray kind of movie. <laughs> Uh, oh man okay yes now there's a little bit of dispute between jl and i because he likes to say uh, one thing and i say the truth but what the fuck (laughs) (laughs) the intention is it was american release dates okay okay we'll go with we'll go with what jl says because you know it makes him happy and then whatever uh, we're talking about the 2020 film The Beach House, written and directed by Jeffrey A. Brown. Uh, it is starring Lena Liber- what is that, uh, Liberato, Noah Lagrasse, Marion Nigel, and Jake Weber. Fun uh, fact. Fun fact. Uh, Noah Lagrasse, the son 
of the dude who replaced uh, Mike in Phantasm 2. Mm, interesting. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah, I didn't realize until, I, until I, I, I chose the movies and I was looking into them, doing the research, and it was like, wait, Lagrasse, that's the same fucking name as the dude who replaced Mike before they got rid of him and they put the original Mike in three. And I was kind of like, wait a minute, holy shit, that's his son. So yes, the, yeah. the replacement Mike's son was in the beach house. There you go. Fun fact. Fun fact. <laughs> so this is what happens in this uh, beach house. Uh, you have a couple who arrive at uh, the... Uh, so Emily and Randall arrive at Randall's parents' beach house at a remote vacation town. Uh, one of them has dropped out. Randall has dropped out of college and is trying to get the other, Emily, to do the same uh, and live at the beach house permanently. But as Eugene likes to say... That was a cue. Let's try this again. Oh. Try this again. But as Eugene, that's you, likes to say, I think he's talking to you. <laughs> <laughs> this is really awkward. I'm just waiting. <laughs> <laughs> because shit gets it's real. There we are. All right. <laughs> uh, this was an interesting film. I got to watch. I got to watch this one in like 15 minute maximum segments. So it took me like two days to watch this old movie. Really? I don't really get a whole lot of concentrated time to look at films. So what will happen is when I'm in the back, and I probably shouldn't say this because my bosses could be watching, but when I'm in the back at work, I'll put on, you know, hey, we got these movies I got to watch. Cool. I'll put them on, and then I'll do paperwork, and it'll be running, and I'll try and pay attention when I can, but I got to pay attention to my work because if I don't do that, I can't watch them here because the kids are around, and I don't want them seeing that stuff just yet. So, yeah. Yeah. While small I little, press small down, little chunks, small little it. chunks, small little chunks of movies. Um, yeah, yeah. Man, Devil's making the deals. While I press down on your foot and look you in the eye and say hi, you respond with this. Like, <laughs> the Simpsons reference, I think. Yep. And Homer's like, I think he's talking to you. <laughs> <laughs> I say hello, Mister Anderson. You yep. say hi. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and sarcasm says, uh, Strike the Legend is in the house. Hey, Strike, and uh, sarcasm says, I'm still waiting for the then shit gets real t shirt. Well, I'm I, I gotta put it up on Teespring. I've got to, hey, we, we, have, we have to do it, it's already catchphrase. Yes, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's Eugene's catchphrase. Wow, so, so that should be the kink shaming, the, the kink that should be the kink, kink shaming cannibals. cannibals. That should be the name of the first record. Yeah. Oh, shit gets real. Shit gets real. <laughs> Are gets real. you ready? <laughs> so one fact, thing I'm going to write that song I, right now. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was uh, I was pleasantly surprised by uh, by this one. Um, not a lot of fanfare with this movie coming out. It just kind of hit, and I so I think I, I kind it was of bad timing. I think I think it was bad. Yeah, timing. it was. Right? It, was, it, was, it was, wasn't well timed and wasn't wasn't heavily marketed. I caught the right. trailer one time and was like, oh, this looks oh this looks kind of interesting. And managed to catch it on digital. And uh, we I streamed it, and I actually streamed it to the Discord, Discord for, uh, and I, we had a bunch of people kind of watch that one. I will give it this: um, this definitely could have fallen to the wayside, uh, but the one saving grace, because um, the acting was it was kind of there. It was what you expect for a war film. It was young kids, you know, it's what yeah. they're doing. But the one saving grace, this film, it had a lot of squirm you know, moments that'll make you squirm because the you know, that's because practical effects is what saved this bad boy. I enjoyed what they did with this, and I liked. Not you know there, there wasn't a digital shit, and it was not just the practical effects. 
uh, especially particularly especially after the beach scene when she's out there under bare feet. Um, not just that scene alone, but also I did really dig the the editing on this and given the whole like the hallucinatory effect that what you know what was happening was having on the people on the the victims to the to what was going on. We'll mm-hmm. dive into the event uh, a little bit later um, because once you hear about it, it's kind of like really. Eh. This it, was kind of of, it was heavy-handed. Yeah, it was a bit heavy-handed. Yeah. yeah, but uh, I did like the, the, you know, and if they left it unexplained, that would have been really, really good. I think it was just like kind of like ambiguous, like what could have possibly happened? Is it aliens or something like this? But no, it went heavy-handed. But the Very practical effects, the practical over effects, the head with it. Yeah, the practical effects is what saved this because yes. the beach scene leading up to the kitchen scene was really fucking cringy. It was just like ah, yeah, but yeah. <laughs> So. Yeah, yeah. The thing is, at the very least, it's you're right. I'm mean, gonna say the practical effects are what, and I'm glad to see that you have these newer horror movies going back to practical effects because it went CG effects for a long time, and then you get this hybrid practical CG effect mm-hmm. where it's like the wound will look real, but the blood splatter will still be CG. And yeah. it's like just when it comes, do it comes to wounds, Squids like are expensive. Squid, they are. The, but the thing is, is this but is you can where make you gotta own, get sorry. creative. Yeah, and you have to get creative if you can't afford squibs and a special effects like coordinator and stuff like that. You can. There's YouTube videos DIY, build your right. own stuff to make it get the effect, or just shoot around it. There's editing for a fucking reason. Just yes. cut it better. Yeah. <laughs> Eugene, um, you're not. You're not. You're not irritated by this subject at all. No, it has not bugged me in any it, way because, because whatsoever. When you're going when you're going through a major scene like this, the, the biggest thing you want to ma- you want to maintain is the suspension of disbelief. And a bad editing move or too hard of an edit, too soft of an edit, linger too long, yep. can can spoil the entire scene. Even if it's just like a se- even if you're in a sequence where you're like boom, 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 you know, you got like one, two, three, four, five, six. We gotta get through six uh six shots and it's gonna compose this entire scene. You fuck up on one edit in there. You drop the ball on either a too hard of a cut or too slow of a cut, too soft of a cut. The music's off in some way. Yeah. You're going to spoil the entire thing. The whole yeah. thing, you know, all of a sudden, because the, uh, the audience is supposed to be on the edge, on the edge throughout the whole thing. You give them a reason to be off that edge, they are going to run from that edge as quickly as they can. And Especially I like, in a horror film, right? As, yeah. yeah, especially in a horror film. And that's what I really, really dug about the about – the, the, I would say – um, the beach house had several key scenes, which I think were extremely well planned and extremely well set out, all interconnected, kind of like the connective tissue of the movie. By, um, uh, but you know, damn it, what's the fucking word? Ex, um, exposition, all connected by exposition, but you know, exposition about the characters, exposition about why they're out there, exposition about what's going on with the other people, the other couple that they encounter. And that, but it, but predominantly, I think when this scene was when this movie was being written, what I got the feeling was is that it was we need this scene, we need this scene, we need this scene, and we need this scene. So we've got like our four or five big scenes, right. which are our horror movie yeah. scenes. Now we need a way to connect. We have a reason. Now we need a reason to connect them all together. So and then we get into our very heavy-handed reason as to why they were. But I will give it this: um, the cinematography. Really strong. I like the camera work in this one. It set up a really good atmosphere, considering at the end you're, you're it's very post-apocalyptic. And then I really dug 
I dug the slow burn build until we have these extreme moments. And, you know, and I'm always going to go back to the big, I think the big sell moment was the on the beach looking at her foot. And then, you know, the crawl, the, the agonizing crawl up to the kitchen to, uh, to get the, the, I guess to get the tongs. Yeah. Oh, that's the, and, and, I mean, and it was nice. It was practical. It was good. It sold it. And it was kind of like, and the fucked up thing was, is, you know, I don't know about y'all, but the scene hit me most because when I was young, I actually, I actually injured one of my feet very, very badly. Um, and feet don't, when, when injured is specific, and when, when hurt in a specific way or cut in a specific way, feet don't bleed that extreme. They don't, especially on the soles of your feet. So right. what I was watching was like, ah, oh, fucking hell, because simply because I'm a, I, you know, I'm, I know what I'm looking at. I was like, oh yeah, that seems like a thing uh, that 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 kind of plays anatomically speaking. Not like when someone like you know gets shot and it's just like, it's like that's not even a vital area where they're just spraying blood out. It's like that's yeah, just silly. I, you know, it's like it doesn't look that it doesn't look like that when someone gets shot. Exactly. It really does with the clothes are like. This one, like, this one got me. This one, I was like, I I had to, I had to. There were moments it was just it wasn't and it wasn't overtly it was just kind of like oh fuck me running and then you kind of got like and then finally we're over and she's like okay we're good to go so um, Tony Regime says I tried to watch Black Sheep but I had to turn it off it's just too obviously Peter Jackson fanboy director uh, homage is fine but damn <laughs> Black Sheep um, but practical effects in that one like see because that was I think virtually all practical effects in that one but that's what made this movie that's why i dug the beach i, I dug it just kind of like if you were to like midnight movie this thing it would went too bad yeah i mean the beach had the slow burn elements that i like i think it was some again it was too heavy-handed with the whole you know message of the movie yes uh, that's where you really fall flat on horror films the horror films are supposed to have some sort of you know meaning beyond the meaning type of thing but this one here was just like nope this is the meaning this is what we're this is what we're talking about let me punch you in the fucking face with it as many times as i can just in case you didn't figure it out yeah the first 15 times i punched you in the face with it yeah we're gonna spoon feed the audience this is yes. instead of instead of something where it's kind of like subvert and it guides you to the conclusion at the very end um yeah this is just straight like global warming yeah, that's what's happening. This is, <laughs> this is. I mean, it's like it beats you. It beats you almost as much as Birdemic does when he's. I have my full electric Mustang. Yeah. It's, it's my hybrid. It's weird, polluting. Blah 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 blah. Now the birds attack and everything. Yeah, I'm. I'm fine with global warming movies. And I'm fine with films where it's like, oh, well, humans are fucking up the environment. And there are some good ones out there like the ruins. Mm-hmm. But everyone that punches you in the face with it, that feels like it has to beat you with the stick, they're all bad. All yes. of them. <laughs> like, just, yes. just straight up. Like, it's I, like, I, I get it. When you have different subject matters, for example, we talk about films that deal with like grief, mm-hmm. they're, you can, they're like mm-hmm. Midsummer. Baba Duke, it's very subvert. It's very it well. They, they to seem to try to misdirect you, right? Yes, yes. yes. This it, one it, didn't. No, not not at all. Not at all. There was nothing. There, there was no nuance to it. Where it's just kind of like, boom, this is what we're doing. You know, it's just like these are the things that can happen if you're do. We keep doing this to the planet. It was definitely. I didn't think it would start out that way, but it was definitely an, an eco horror. This is definitely you know right. like our lives are a cautionary tale for what we're doing to the planet and shit. And 
the and it, and unfortunately, what could have been something if they went the Romero route and left it ambiguous, then think this movie would have sold a little bit better. But they did. They decided not to. And whoever you know, whoever decided, whoever obey oh, greenlit, I would never have greenlit if I was. You know, it was like I like what you got here. Do this. Make it more ambiguous because if we beat the audience over the head with this, it, it's just not going to make the money that it could because we're spending all this money on these fantastic practical effects to really give people the skin crawling to give them that the heebie-jeebies, especially when weird shit starts coming out of the beach, you know, coming out of the water. I yeah. want people to see that, okay? And uh, and we're spending the money to do it. I want this film to make money. And if you beat them over the head with a green or an eco uh, or an eco awareness uh, uh, message then you're going to turn people off because we know it's a yeah. big thing. We, we don't yeah. go to, we go to horror movies to deal with shit, not to be reminded of shit. Well, if at the end of the horror film, at the end of this movie, if you were coming out and having a discussion, like if we were on this, if we were here right now talking about this film saying, Hey, I think that this could have been an allegory for this, or that could have been an allegory for that, or the metaphors were here. You know what I mean? So it, the film would have been so much better. But the simple fact mm-hmm. is, I can look at everybody straight in the face and say it's about global warming. Yeah, and what what happens is it stifles that conversation that you would have afterwards. Because right. when you have that ambiguous ending, then what do you want to do? You want to get with your friends and you want to talk. I picked up this. Yeah. Oh, I picked up. Oh, and you get this back and forth, and it lets you relive the movie and. It it stores into your brain of the films that you've seen versus ever walk out and be like. Yeah, we got the same. Yeah, I yeah, figured it out. That's yeah. it. Move on. Exactly. Yeah. It, there's nothing. There's nothing that makes you say, "Hey, guys, you need to go check this fucking thing out." Mm-hmm. You might say, "Hey, go check out this weird scene in this movie where this, you know, she's pulling a worm out of her foot." Go check. That's kind of gross. But otherwise, the movie is, eh, eh. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think they. I think they just. You just might as well make a glorified commercial. 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 Just, just a straight. <laughs> yeah. Just, Straight PETA commercial. There you go. Yeah, really. So I think well, all we well, needed were, were Sarah McLaughlin singing in the background, petting a puppy dog. I will remember. <laughs> and well, I don't. I don't mind at all having and having some kind of message in the horror film, with the film right. being a metaphor for something. Obviously, films like like we you know we talked about Relic last week, which is a metaphor for definitely watching you know uh watching your elders pass you know elders deteriorate and die See, but if you remember that there were all three of us had a different version of what that means you know what i mean yeah you know we're talking exactly to, that's what makes the movie good is the fact that 10 different people can watch the film they can watch the relic and then i'm sorry the relic whoops they can no, watch no, the relic. 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 No relic. No. Did I say right? Relic. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> ten different people can watch relic and have ten different versions of what they think the movie's about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what makes a film good. Now, when you have a thousand people watching this beach house, it's like, yeah, go for it. And no only, uh, and only, and I was same thing with with movies like The Babadook and movies like Midsummer. I, I know many people did. I, I spoke with uh, several fans who loved Midsummer for what it was on its face. As right. just you know, like the you know, I love the fact that it was oh, this is a sunny, bright, you know, bright and sunny horror film in that respect. Right. But I, you know, there were some people that didn't pick up on the that, that it was a it was a meditation on grief and loss and yeah. uh, the, the baggage that you carry with you from from trauma. And mm-hmm. it was like, yeah, it was all over the place, but it was so subtle. So it's just to add like a foot. Well, like but even when it, even when it was you know even when it was shoved down your throat in Midsummer, it still worked, right? When it was over the top, you know the grief thing. Of course, mm-hmm. the 
you know, like the part where uh, the guy, what's his name, um, gets the length of the relationship wrong by exactly six months. That mm-hmm. wasn't subdued. That was over the top, right? Because it had been six six months prior to that day is when he wanted to break the whole thing off. But this tragic thing happened with her family. So in his mind, they stopped dating at that time and hers, they're still together. Yeah. That was That was way over the top. But because everything else was done so played down so you know subtly so there was minuscule is very much a thinking person's horror film even that over that over the top part didn't ruin anything it actually added to the dynamic of the film well because at that moment it becomes a shocking moment when when everything is subvert and under the table and then you're right where she's like no we've been together four years no it's three and a half years it becomes a shock. It's like a stinger at that one moment because I like I, there are people who watch that film and talk about like a family relationship on it uh, because that was the that was the main focus. He he wanted he wanted out, but her family died. He felt that oh well, I can't do this add now. to the trauma. Yeah, right. exactly. yeah, it would be a total asshole to to die. It was like oh, by the way, uh, I'm breaking up with you. It was like uh, yeah. now you're now you're really all alone. That would be right. absolutely horrific. Horrific, but it does add the the obviously as they're going through the story, they're they're you know doing the thing in the uh, in the the uh, the foreign uh, the, uh, what country was it? Norway, Norway. Yeah, I think Norway. Yeah. So when they're out there and they're in, you know they're going through the story, it's an interesting concept that in his mind they're not together, and in her mind, he, she he is literally the only thing that kept her, that got her through this traumatic event. So in his mind, she's just another girl. In her mind, he is her lifeline that kept, that literally kept her head above water when she was going through this trauma. So that dynamic is just wild. Um, Sir Kev says, my favorite practical effect of all time is the plate glass beheading in the Omen back in 76. That is. That's an excellent one. Yeah. That was, that was rough to watch. (laughs) David Warner. (laughs) <laughs> and it's like an end of the spin. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> oh man. Oh man. Um. Oh, man. Devil says I can't watch your part on uh, the next film we're going to talk about because it's on my list of must watch. I heard it's probably the best Irish horror movie ever made, so I'm going to duck out of here. Cheers. Cheers, Man Devil. All right, Man, um, All right, yep. man Devil. Take care. Oh well, I guess I should probably go ahead and ask the the question now that we're going to hard transition into the hollow. Mm-hmm. So speaking of the beach house, uh, does horror advance conversations or I think better yet should horror advance conversations? Let us know in the side chat down in the comment section below or at our email address. We can horror at gmail.com conversations about what conversations about anything. Topical conversations. It could be conversations about what we're going to have for dinner later it doesn't really matter as long as you come out of the film talking about something. I'm just kidding. Yeah, absolutely. We want to talk about topical, topical conversations. You know, uh, again, like we were talking about having multiple people think that think that movie means multiple different things. Mm-hmm. That's where that's where it should be. Absolutely. Yeah. Hey guys, Definitely. this one was about global warming. I figured it out. Let's move on to the next one. Fuck it. Right. <laughs> God, so it. It was just like, come on, guys, really? Yeah. Like, I mean, just it, they it, might. All, they should have. They should have had what's his name from the day after tomorrow, telling us about desalinization <laughs> points. <laughs> <laughs> Dennis Quaid. Dennis Quaid. That yeah. 
Oh, <laughs> uh, I mean, it, it could have been something subtle. It could have been like, what if it's this? Even even if you write that the, the characters themselves are speculating about what it could have been, that would have been good. It's like, what's causing this? Maybe it's this. Maybe it's this. Oh, I have no idea. Who who the fuck cares? We're trying to survive. I like that dynamic. So, and then, it, and then honestly, just never answer the question. Just like leave leave it leave it up. Like mm-hmm. I, I watched I watched Trimmers the other day, and it was like, where did these where did these creatures come from? They never answer the question. Who cares? Nope. They're here. Who cares? Who cares? Does, does it matter where they came from? There's giant fucking worms in the earth that are eating people. <laughs> yes, and then they mutate into little things that aren't as giant, but they still eat people. And yeah, all of a sudden our- they mutate to things that fart themselves into the air, and then they have wings and all kinds of yeah. weird shit. <laughs> then we're gonna go back in time. We're gonna talk about when they're babies, and then where are they? Who cares? Who cares? <laughs> they're there. So Rob Park says, this is the main point for horror, in my opinion. Social commentary and horror should always be tied. If I just want to watch people die, I will pop in a Stallone flick. Yep. Yeah. It's a good point. Yeah. And we've always, we've stated many times that that's the, that's the purpose of the horror genre. The horror genre allows us to confront and address and either you know, vicariously deal with or uh, cathartically deal with the, you know, that which is ailing our society at the time. Mm-hmm. That's why it always, you typically horror follows tragedy. Or horror, or you know, or big, big, heavy-duty discussions. So, which is why I think we're probably going to be seeing a lot more eco horror as the the situation with our environment, the situation with you know the land, the sea. You know, I think I think there's a new one that just recently came out called Super Deep. Um, not a porno, but uh, about you know <laughs> Russian lab experimentation. But um, that I think is another eco horror. We're gonna, I think we're going to see a lot more of these things coming up as the topic becomes bigger and bigger. And especially in our government. So, yep. Yeah. Disclaimer, disclaimer, yeah. not a pornography, not a pornography. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I didn't make that banner. Not a porno. Not a porno. All right, JL. Speaking of not a porno, what do we, you're playing the bass with like a porno. Sorry, I hit it again. Sorry. Yeah, we got to figure that out. <laughs> wrong tab, wrong tab. Wrong tab. <laughs> <laughs> There is no H. Well, not in this song. <laughs> All right, our last one for the night, and uh, to one of our one of our uh, listeners, Heather Leo, because he hasn't seen it yet. But this one released in uh, release J- uh, bleh, July tenth, two thousand fifteen, and it is the movie The Hollow. God dang it! I've got to. I've got to move my mic better. You guys can hear me just fine. I don't need it this close to my hands. What do I do with my hands? Um, directed by Corin Hardy, written by Corin Hardy and Felipe Marino, starring Joseph Mall, Bojana Novakovic, Michael McLatton, sorry, and Michael Smiley. So, in everybody, a, it is Eugene Warren. Sorry about that. It's just like that one too. Uh, <laughs> I, I nailed my names. You did. Two weeks in a row. My, Three weeks were, in a row. Yeah, mine were Italian. So just I me. hit I hit the Russian girl just fine. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Not a porno. Not a porno. Not a porno. 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 (laughs) So uh it got egos. Ego horror Greta Thunberg. (laughs) Shame on you. Anyway. She should have been in that movie. She should have been walking around. Shame on you. Uh, you get the worm in your foot. Sorry. Breaking so breaking this one down for those who have not seen it, in essence. Um, as as resources uh, dwindle and as countries or governments begin to run out of money, 
Um, the country of Ireland is contemplating selling its last publicly owned forest for the resources. And it's on a small island off the coast of Ireland. And they are going to, the government sends out a kind of like a surveyor to go out and check out the forest and make sure that there's nothing they, uh, that they need to know about before they make this big sale. And of course, the local inhabitants of the island are warning him that no, he's trespassing, he shouldn't mess with the forest because that's where the hollow lives. And uh, deep in the heart of Ireland, I really, really liked it. I really, really dug this one because you don't get a lot of Irish horror films, like like legit Irish horror films. We got the Leprechaun. Produced in Ireland, <laughs> shot in Ireland. I meant the, the, the remake. Starring, starring a lead, you know, an Irish actor who is the lead in this, so... But um, a legitimate, you know, Irish horror film is really, really cool. I love foreign yes. horror, and uh, things take you know as the family, as the the father delves deeper into the woods and awakens what is the supernatural forces that are in there. Things get pretty, pretty gnarly. So, although I will give it, it's interesting because this is an Irish folklore horror film, but it's Irish folklore meets you guessed it, eco horror. This is exactly why this film is better than The Beach House. Mm. Yes, very because, much so. Because it becomes, it's more subvert on it. And instead of it being like global warming, it talks about like deforestation yeah. on it because, hey, we're going to tear down this forest and you happen to have things that like live in the things that live in the forest and they fight back. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> Sorry. For, for those who are not in the live chat, for those who will be listening to this later, we left because uh the you know Johnny just basically put a message up saying, I love foreign whores. <laughs> yeah. I said foreign horror. Foreign horror. Continue. Yeah, sounds exactly the same. <laughs> continue, continue, Eugene. One dollar, me love you long time. <laughs> 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 on it but what's actually what's actually great is the fact that they're able to dive into some of the irish culture and yes. it's a straight irish film and it's nice because it's well done it doesn't feel like an american film it also and, doesn't feel like they're trying to shove like oh this is an irish film it's just natural it's it just it, it, like the, the, those 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 things about you know, that it's Ireland or that the, you know what I mean? It just comes naturally to the film. It's not, you know, again, they're not beating you over the head with, hey, we're Irish people, leprechauns and shit. Yeah, yeah just, everybody's gingers and all this yeah. other kind of stuff. No, yeah, it's just fucking it, whatever dance, you know, none of that shit. No, it's just the story takes, it just the story happens takes place in Ireland. Right. And like, that's it. To me, it's, it's very similar to like a dark song. It's like, hey, this is just where it takes place. And that's it. He's just these characters. We're just going to go from there, which is the way to do it. I really, really do. And I really, that's what I really liked about it. It wasn't overt. It had, it kind of had a message, but the message wasn't the point of it. The, the focus of the film was the relationship between the husband and the wife and their newborn child and them trying to basically, you know, do the thing. And they run into the, obviously, they, they, the problems that they have with the locals, the problems that they have, obviously, with the things in the forest itself. But I did think that this was very much a character piece where it's the focus is on the dad and what the dad is willing to do in order to make sure his family has a home, make sure his family is safe, make sure that he's doing his job. And it is, you know, it, it basically, it's a guy in a very, you know, obviously, the supernatural, this incredible supernatural situation where he's forced to make the, you know, the hardest, some of the hardest decisions possible that, 
I think dads are, you know, are faced with every single day. And I like that because it is. Well, I've well, never had to determine whether or not I'm going to sacrifice one of my children to. Yeah, you know, it's every day, but yeah. What I'm saying is, I like that the focus was the dad, was the the dad, his relationship with his wife, his relationship with the people around him, what he's what you know, what he's dealing with, and then what he you know what he has to do in the end. So I I dug that fuck, or I I dug that fact, and I like that. That's what made it strong. Not because they so they didn't have to focus. This is you know it's in Ireland. You know that's that's where it's be. It's, yes. it, doesn't have, it doesn't have to focus on the deforestation aspect or the, the fact that countries are giving up their natural resources because they're running out of money. These are all major things. Nope, we have a very localized story that focuses on one family, one dad who's trying to be the you know be the best dad that he can be, the best right. husband he can be, forced into an impossible scenario. It had hallmarks of like Stephen King to it, to be honest. Where it focuses on kind of like the everyman, the everyman yeah, who suddenly yeah. thrust into an impossible situation. So, and yeah, I like that. that. I dug that. And it, and it alludes to a bigger thing, to a, like a grander universe. But we don't need to go there. We just yeah. want to focus on this. Right, exactly. Right. Yeah. So it doesn't it doesn't have to hit you over the head with with the obvious, you know, things that the, the tropes that we're talking about with you know deforestation and running out of natural reasons. It doesn't have to hit you over the head with that. That is mentioned in passing. Well, not necessarily in passing, but it's mentioned early on and it's not, you know, fucking you don't get hit over the head with it like that we did in the beach house. Uh, it's something that's important for you to know, and then you can kind of forget it. Because it's more about what happens in this very localized part of the world in this story. Because once, like, they're already in the home and you have the attacks begin and it's just it becomes just a family fighting to survive. They're trying to keep the lights on. It's these creatures that they're fighting against that are. Actually, really awesome creatures, by the They're way. They're really decent, yeah. And yeah. Sir Chasm, Sir Chasm says, great jump scares with the tree critters and the keyhole. Never look in the keyhole in a horror film. And this is good advice. This should be one of the rules. Never look in the keyhole. You Never look in the keyhole in any genre. You will regret it. Um, that, that that moment, and because before the big reveal, before you figure out what these things are, it's like uh, the moment when he, when, uh, and Joseph Mall. I fucking love Joseph Mall. Excellent character actor, you know, terribly underrated. He's one of my favorite ones. He's he's the actually the one of the villains in the movie Heartless, who's one of my favorite uh, British horror films. But Joseph Ball is fantastic as the exasperated dad trying to deal with what he's doing. That moment when he when uh, they get stuck, they get trapped out there in the car, the, you know, the babies in the in the car seat, and then he gets shoved in the trunk, and just the the whole kind the whole the whole time you're like this this kid's gonna get taken you know this is this is what's gonna happen yeah you know, and I love that it had those great tension building moments just really really strong across the board I really enjoyed it but what I said it was Irish folklore meets um uh, Irish folklore meets eco horror because you know it has that I do like how it grounded the idea of these creatures in reality because uh, this came out in 2015. And should be an uh, interesting thing to note is that in 2013, the video game The Last of Us came out for uh, for the PlayStation, and you know one of the greatest video games ever made. Um, but in that one, there were Cordyceps zombies in it, and in this one, the Cordyceps fungus plays a significant role in these creatures, and I guess in the creation of these creatures, or what they what you know. As in, they are infecting other people, infecting people, and turning them into mm. these, you know, woods inhabiting monsters that do this. 
with the, like the, the, the shit they do of the hand shit, which is like, what the fuck? Into the eyeball, yeah. Yeah, that was fucking yeah, freaky. Yeah. Yeah, when you were just nope. trying to get her, get her in the attic, yeah. That was the uh, uh, that was a major thing. I, I really, really dug that, and it was just I liked that it kind of grounded in that way. It was like a, a weird version of the cordyceps fungus, and I think probably the only reason it was put in this one was because Last of Us had been out less than two years. It was it was hot as fuck when it came out. Everybody was talking about you know cordyceps zombies. Cordyceps all of a sudden became a topic in horror channels again, and that's what just dropped it. And I thought it was cool. That was something fun to fun to play with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a, it was a great scene. I enjoyed it. One thing that stuck out to me was the the uh, the cover art for the Hollow. Looks mm-hmm. like it. What the fuck? Do 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 do. You're talking about the one where it's like the, the big ass the tree, and then the the guy looks like he's about to walk into the tree, or right? Something. And it's yeah. got yeah. you know it's got the you know it's got the yeah. Hollow in there. I, it kind of it, I don't know. Some, what the fuck is going on over there, JL? Nothing. That what wasn't are you me doing. No, I didn't hit anything. It wasn't hanging me. around, or is it you? <laughs> it might be me. I just I actually kicked the table. So oh, okay. Oh uh, yeah. Aha! <laughs> uh-huh. I wasn't uh-huh. with a hooker today. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, no, it reminded me of fucking Willow. Like it could have been the sequel to Willow. Oh, interesting. Oh, you know, okay. Just that uh, I don't know the same. I don't know what it was. It just looked like it reminded me of Willow. Don't know why. Um, for those looking to watch it, I believe that this one is on Amazon Prime. Uh, free, free to watch on Amazon Prime. Yeah, but I, I liked it. Good, good, strong performances. I like the the uh, I like the dynamic between the the dad and the wife. The fact, and you know, it comes down to, and they even touched on the changeling child because of all of all folklore things I've seen, you know, especially in horror, the changeling child is what really comes along the most. The idea that uh, these the fae or you know fairies or you know mischievous beings mm-hmm. will steal children and then replace them. With one with a fairy that looks exactly like the child, and then you know, then the the, the kind of uh, the idea behind a, a, a hypothesis is that this arose in the in the 16th and the 17th centuries when people didn't really understand autism, and then all of a sudden, what was a happy-go-lucky right. baby that started like this, all of this, or or a small child, all of a sudden, the their personality changes, and all of a sudden, it doesn't seem like their child anymore. Maybe their child was re- like their child was replaced. And so the idea of the the changeling child, which is most likely what they were describing, was autism. But most horror films I've watched that deal with folklore always touch on this one because there's nothing more terrifying than having a child disappear, especially when something is dragging your child away and you're rushing to try and catch up with it. And they hit on this one. I thought it was done well. And and then, of course, there's that moment where the kid vanishes and then the mom catches up and manages, ah, oh, give me back a baby. And then he got the baby again. It's like, oh, is it? Hmm. And yeah, yeah, exactly. And so, and uh, there was another, uh, another, there was another, another horror film that uh, the last one I watched that dealt with that was fucking um, uh, a a Christmas horror story had a changing child in that one. The family goes out to cut down the Christmas tree, and they lose sight of the of the son for a moment. And then when they finally catch up to him, it's it's not. He's acting very weird. So, but I I like the I like it. It, it, you know. it has those emotional moments. It has the it has great beat, and of course, uh, the ending is a little bit to be expected. Um, I like that mode, that last final moment where he's like, "Oh, did, did she take the right kid home?" And you know, you're like, "Which one is the right one?" Mm-hmm. I dug that, and then, but then, of course, the obviously the obvious cliffhanger is like, "Oh, the 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 fungusy shit that exists out there that turns people into these things is still you know is still there and is in the trees that they're carting out as they begin to deforest the area." So. 
Yeah, infect the world. Infect the world. Take over the world. And they don't need to explain. And, and I like that they didn't need to explain. Okay, oh, obviously, you know, the things when they first buy the house, there's iron up all over the bars. And they start taking the iron down. That really pisses off the locals. And usually you've got to keep the iron up on the windows. And what well, that's funny iron, because that's like a that's like an anti-leprechaun thing, isn't it? It's anti fay It's anti fay Yeah. Well, yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought it was I thought it was intriguing because, but they never explain why they don't, and they don't they don't need to. Like, why does iron keep the fay Was it doesn't, doesn't fucking matter? It's I think that's yeah, yeah. That's yeah. really important, right? The over exposition. They don't have. They don't Bingo. do that. They just let it happen. Like you don't. Why? Why do I need this? But you, oh well, because there's a priest here who's telling me about the phase all of a sudden. No, fuck that shit. They're mad because you took the iron down because, you know, the people who know why it's up there, they're upset. And the people who took it down, they don't know why they're upset, but it's not, it's, again, not heavy handed. Perfect. Right. Hey, what you do is, Perfect it, it comes, it comes down to assuming the fact that the audience isn't stupid, Like the audience yes. is going to pick even up if on the that. audience is stupid, right? It doesn't, it's one of those things that you can be, you don't have to be so, you know, you don't have to write everything out in crayon for everybody. Even if the yeah. audience doesn't get it, that's perfectly fine. If the audience comes to us, says, why were they so upset about the iron coming down? You know what that's going to do? It's going to make them look into the movie a little more. It's going to make mm-hmm. them probably go and rewatch it. See if they ah, can't pick yeah. up on something. And exactly. they'll learn, yes, iron wards away the fate, which is why when he grabbed the iron after he was infected, all of a sudden it burned his hand. Right. And I was like, there you go. And I, I, and I like Perfect that. exposition, right? Perfect exposition. Perfect. Yeah, like, that's it. That's, that's it. how That's how you explain things. Show, don't, don't tell. Show, don't tell. And that, and then, I mean, anybody who hasn't seen it, definitely check out the Hollow. It's on Amazon Prime. All the harm, all all the great hallmarks of a of a good horror film. Everything that makes a horror film great, and just enough for everybody. Plus, not to mention it's an Irish film, and Irish films, you know, they're, they're uh, for this to be fully fully produced, funded uh, in Ireland, shot in Ireland. Mm-hmm. This is that's a rare thing. You do, oftentimes productions don't you know they, they'll they'll move to England they'll, they'll go across the they'll go to oh they'll uh, go across the channel to shoot in France or to shoot in Germany or to shoot in the you know, the Netherlands areas where they have big tax credits um, or they'll shoot in London where you know, you know uh, where England has a, a really really big uh, uh, really big tax incentives but to do this in, uh, in Ireland is a big support for film productions that shoot in that country because they don't come around that often especially a horror film so definitely highly recommend you checking this one out. And I think yeah, Amazon Prime is where I found it. And it's free to watch. So you just need a subscription. No mm-hmm. rental cost. The Hall- and Sarah Velez, The Hallow, H-A-L-L-O-W. The Hallow. No, The Hollow, H-O-L-L-O-W. That one is a completely different film. Yep. That is Which- <laughs> And it happened to also come out in 2015. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Uh, Terry Pratchett. Oh, let's see. Tony Richard, Terry Pratchett goes into the use of iron to stop the fairies and elves and lords and ladies and hypothesizes that it is the reason horseshoes are nailed above doorways for luck. They are, yes, because they um, over the entrance of the door. And it depends upon, I think, which way the horseshoe is angled because he's supposed to face up or face down. So, yeah, I think one is. If I. I remember I looked it up once and I, I'm probably going to butcher this because it was years ago that one is to let to keep in or one is to bring in and one is the other one is to keep out. I forget. I could be wrong though. I, you know what? Let me just look it up because I looked it up a long time ago. Yes. And the, and, and the George said has popped in. Good to see you. And the George said, um, but yeah, this one was definitely a good one. And uh, I think a lot of people will enjoy it. All right. So I fi- oh yeah, so uh that's what it leads us to. I want to ask um the audience, 
do you guys really dig foreign horror? Foreign horror films, whether it's Ireland or it's Germany or it's France or it's you know, Japanese, Korean, Russian, whatever. All countries have to produce horror movies. Do you, do you prefer horror, uh, foreign horror films or American horror films? Or is it kind of like a mix of the two? You, you love them all. Let us know in the live chat or in the comments below or hit us up, weekendhorror at gmail.com. You know, Alex still needs that reading material while he's going through the, uh, the first few weeks of having a newborn. Yes. Apparently, apparently he is fucking exhausted. So when he comes back, we he he will definitely have photos and he'll have lots of things to tell us from what just from what I've understood, he's really, really tired, like all the time now. <laughs> it's like he has I think the I think at one point he had slept in like 36 hours. So uh yeah. let's see. Tony Regime says, yeah, Some that's, say yeah, the, that's the luck runs out if the horns of the horseshoe point down. But if it is just iron to stop fairies, it doesn't matter. Okay, mixture. Nice. Yeah, so hanging it with the you know U side up is to collect luck, and then U side down it's uh, it's considered bad luck because you're not collecting luck. Good point. Because yep, there you go. All right, learn something new every day. All right, Charlie Welch says I've been liking more and more Asian stuff. Asian horror is strong. They don't really have the uh, I would say the 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 predilections. That American horror does, and they're willing to go into really extreme, uh, extreme directions. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yes. So yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You have uh, sarcasm says I'm not a fan of subs, but a few are worth the reading, like Train to Busan. Mm-hmm. Train to Busan is an excellent, excellent horror That happened in real time. That happened in real time. That was fun. <laughs> I begin. Uh, uh, let's see. Uh, Tony Rajiv says, I love the Day of the Beast, Spanish film about the Antichrist. Very mm. cool. And uh, Ivy Gentry says, I always prefer England, Ireland, Wales, or Scotland for like everything. Definitely. And Tony Rajiv, yes, you are right. Like he says he prefers the Japanese original of The Ring. I also Ringu. prefer the Japanese uh, Ringu, uh, Juon. The Japanese original horror films are always fucking terrifying. Um, I love them all. Uh, Sarah Velez says, I love them all. Korean zombie horror is awesome. The the Japanese are great for ghost psychological horror from Germany. Hell fucking yeah. Excellent choices. All right. So, Eugene, it's about that time. It's a time that everybody's been waiting for. It's the time. Yep. Because I uh, Charlie Charlie Wells. Charlie Welch says pause for effect. <laughs> but, but absolutely, um, it's a time. The only reason that people watch this show is because we give away free shit. And free stuff. It's trivia time. And we are giving away for this last one for, uh, well, technically we're still in June, but technically this is a July episode. Um, uh, this is the last one. Uh, limited edition shirt number three. So get your, uh, we're giving away a kink shaming cannibal shirt. So definitely. Uh, this goes to whoever wins this one. So Eugene, take it away. All right. The trivia question is, what is the name of the all-female heavy metal band that made a live nightclub appearance in The Rejuvenator? And I'll say it again. What was the name of the all-female heavy metal band that made a live nightclub appearance in The Rejuvenator? The first one who comments with it below will get the prize. Limited edition weekend horror shirt number three. We're giving this one away. Yes. See who's got it. Damn, Rob Park says free stuff. Yes. It's like, uh, <laughs> oh, unfortunately, Tony Regime, it was not Pussy Magnet. <laughs> <laughs> I think it should have been. 
Chris Durbin Music Channel says, Sorrel Book? It's like, unfortunately, no. Sorry. <laughs> this is a tough Aww, one. Thank you, Ivy. Ivy Gitch says, not the only reason that they watch. Nah, we appreciate that very much. That's the biggest. Sarcasm's got it. I will make sure I got that right. I said uh, Sarcasm is the first one to come up. says, Poison Dollies. Uh, Sarcasm's the first one I have. Sarcasm's first? Let's double yes. check that because I don't want what happened last week to happen again. We good? Let's yeah. get on my end. Let's get on my end. All right. We have confirmed. Congratulations. Let me write that down. And the correct, the correct answer is Poison Dollies. Oh, poison Dollies. Mm-hmm. So I know that this one was kind of obscure. I know a lot of people did not see this movie, but I'm really curious. Sarcasm, did you did you Google it that fast? Or, I mean, did you That's know, okay did you if know you did. It? That's yeah, it's, okay. it's okay. I'm just curious if you've, if you've watched this movie. As we wait for him to respond. I wait 15 seconds. (laughs) (laughs) And then we just sit here silently just waiting for him. Oh, so so, 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 some other answers that came around. Um, Hole. No, it wasn't Hole. Girls' School. No. Uh, L7 from Commander Darklight. Mm. (laughs) And uh, let's see. And oh, yeah. Okay. Yep. Charlie says he got it. So fantastic. That is confirmation from the audience. That's pretty awesome. So I am curious whether he's seen the movie or if, or he was able to Google that fast. So very awesome. All right, then. Uh, yeah. Tanya says, I haven't seen that movie in over 10, 10 years. Or Rob Parks says, man, no one told me Google is a thing. Ah, oh, yes, Rob Parks, you can't oh, use hey, Google. Rob Parks, there's this thing. It's called Lugal. <laughs> yeah, we can. This is the thing is we allow people to use Google because the thing is this if somebody knows it right off the bat, they're going to be faster than anybody who Googles right. anyway. Yeah. So if no one happens to know it, Google it and then be the first one. Mm-hmm. Oh, Sir Kevin says, I actually watched it and specifically looked at the background for the name while they were playing. Nice. Yeah, oh, he, prepped. Yeah. he prepped for it. <laughs> yeah, he prepped. He's he watched like, this movie and said, I bet you this is going to be it. It's going to be this. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, awesome. see, and this is oh, Rob Parks. Oh, Rob Parks. I'm sorry. Shit. No one tells me anything. <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing is, now you know. And the thing is, is, so when we do our closing plugs, we tell you the movies we're going to talk about next week. Mm-hmm. So if you want to watch them, look for background stuff. Where actors, bands, all the other kind of stuff that gives you a leg up on the prize. Oh, fan fucking tastic. Well, congratulations to Sircasm uh, for picking up a limited edition shirt. Uh, can I, we will get that printed up and sent out to you ASAP. All right, then. Mm-hmm. That Just. brings us, yeah, and that brings us. Uh, another episode of Weekend Horror to a close. Thank you all so much for listening, and we truly hope you enjoyed the show. Join us next week when we discuss After Sundown VH, VH, VHS2 <laughs> The Swarm and Eight-Legged Freaks. We'd like to spend, spend god damn, this is what happens when you don't sleep, right? We'd like to send a special shout out to our amazing patrons who have helped us make the show the success it has become. Thank you all so much. Visit us at weekendhorror.net where you can find the links to all of our episodes, our bios, our merch store at Teespring, and of course, enter your email for a permanent entry to win a mystery horror shirt every month, courtesy of $6shirts.com. For more horror entertainment, be sure to check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Followers get our daily splatter, a bit of horror info every day right into your feed. You never know what new horrors you may discover. Subscribe to our channel and smash that bell like a zombie head for all the latest updates from the show. We really hope you enjoy the new live format, and we'd love to get your feedback. 
be sure to leave us a comment below as the interactions really help us with the dreaded algorithm. That's right. He's a new new bad guy in the newest <laughs> video game. <laughs> algorithm. <laughs> and lastly, if you truly love what we do here and you would like and are able to support our production, you can do so through our Patreon. We have subscriber tiers as low as a dollar. We also have bonus and exclusive content and horror films every month for a higher tiers. However, if you'd prefer, you can support the show through our PayPal as well. Links to everything, including our Discord community, where you can find film recommendations, trailers, trivia games, horror watch parties, and even interact directly with us are in the description. And while the country is finally beginning to recover from recent events, we know that things are still pretty tight for many people. As always, simply commenting, liking, and sharing this show with friends in your local horror community is the absolute best way to help us continue to grow. We appreciate each and every one of you for being the greatest audience a podcast could have. I'm Johnny O. I'm JL. And I'm Eugene. We'll see you next week. And as always, stay scared.